Hello and welcome to the Big 12 Country Podcast, where four guys in jockstrap will be covering college football and providing content and HSOs from around the Big 12. Alright everybody, welcome back to the Big 12 Country Podcast. I'm your host, Corey uh, and Colin. Uh, tonight, you know, for me, it was kind of a, uh, a manic Monday or overreaction Monday, however you want to call that. And I know a lot of that kind of happened Sunday, but, um, just, you know, I don't know if you saw it as much as I did, or if you know what I'm talking about, but we got opinions all over the place now. Uh, we got teams like OSU should have been, you know, in the, in the fight to begin with first or second place to begin with. We got Oklahoma can't play defense at all to save their life, which we'll explore shortly. You know, Kansas, all of a sudden, might be the seventh best team in the league, according to some people. I mean, we got it, – it's absurd. Uh, I don't know, just your thoughts on how crazy the opinions have been this weekend. KU is back, baby. That, that's my opinion. You're going to feed it? <laughs> Instead of helping me tamper it down, you're going to feed it. I mean, it, it's it's like any other weekend. You have some games, and everybody's looking for any reason to overreact to anything, and that's what's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I I, I, I try not to laugh at it too much, but I, I don't know what else to do with some people. I mean, just it, it really was crazy. The the and and I guess most of it was probably kind of Saturday night into Sunday morning. It kind of tampered down a little bit, but I'm still hearing some crazy things this week. Uh, and what I can't stand is when people try to speak in definitives. Um, and I know I'm guilty of it too. Sometimes I do it too. I try not to, but and, and I do think we can definitely gather some stuff from these games. I, I think you can say you know, this team is going to struggle with this probably or, you know, this or that. But uh, the definitives of this team is definitely this or definitely that. I think that stuff, you got to be careful with that. We are three weeks into a season that is going to be psychotic. Right. We've, Most- had, we've had, what, one up major upset so far? Major upset with Wisconsin and Brigham? I'm trying yeah. to think if there's anyone else I'm forgetting. No, that's the only major one. I was just going to say where we are, where we're at in the season too. Most of the teams have played a bunch of cupcakes, and then maybe one average to good opponent. So it's really hard to base any kind of, you know, long-standing view on one game. No, definitely. Um, you know, I, we got to look around at the national scene a little bit more this week. I felt like uh, you know some of the games were kind of blowouts, and, and so, you know even Kansas became a blowout to the point where we didn't have to keep such a close eye on it. Although some of us, it was hard to tear away from it. Uh, so we got to look around a little bit more this week. Your thoughts just around the nation, just you know from what you saw from other conferences this week, any games, anything that shocked you, anything that you really think is important going forward. I was shocked by how bad Bama beat Ole Miss. I mean, I knew they would win, mm-hmm. but that is just a, a complete deconstruction of Ole Miss. I mean, that was pretty bad. And, and also, you know, I, I was over at my parents watching the games on, on Saturday, and as I was watching the Auburn-LSU game, I would kind of thought Auburn was a potential uh, dark horse playoff contender. Well, that kind of went out the window. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They um, – well, and here's the thing. Everybody knew Auburn was going to be pretty solid, good team, you know, a possible top 10 team, possible. But everybody said, and point everybody who has a brain, pointed to that schedule. It was just going to be so hard to overcome that schedule. And here's the problem, too, is, you know, they, they lose to LSU, and they still got a lot of tough games in front of them. Because I don't think a lot of people had them losing to LSU in August. No. I don't think a lot of people said that would happen. But a lot of us didn't know the kind of quarterback play LSU was going to get. And on the other side of that, 
I mean, what's your thoughts on LSU? I'm trying personally not to overreact to them. I mean, LSU is probably one of my favorite SEC teams. I root for them a little more than I do some other ones out there. And now, you know, keep that relative. It's not like I'm out here, you know, putting on LSU boxers and rooting for them all the time. But if I have choices of teams I hate more or less, LSU is definitely in the less category for me from a team standpoint. So I'm trying not to overhype them a little bit, but I do think they're a pretty good team. Yeah, I mean, that's that's obvious. I mean, they whooped Miami to start the season and then, you know, played a directional school, so we won't really go there. But winning at Auburn, at a top 10 Auburn, is very impressive. I, I mean, I don't know that we still know what they have at quarterback. I'm just looking at his stats, and 15 at 34 isn't exactly great, but I guess by LSU standards that might be acceptable. Yeah, I mean, it definitely considering where they've been. And, and I think with LSU and a, and a lot of SEC offenses, I know if any SEC fans hear this, they're going to take opposition to it. But any SEC offenses, I feel like if you're doing enough that it helps you win, you're fine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they're ever going to need somebody to go out and throw 400 yards passing. As long as you're up there in the high 200s, throw for 275, 280, you know, you're, in this case, 13, I don't know what his exact numbers are, but let's say 13 for 26, somewhere in that ballpark. But it leads to a win. You're doing enough. You know what I mean? And for right. a team like LSU or Alabama, you don't need – that's what makes Alabama so scary. They don't need somebody to go out there and throw for 400, 500 yards at a 65% clip and account for five touchdowns. But that's what they're going to get from the position this year. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's what that's what makes that place so scary because they've never had anything like that. Right. That's what we were talking about in the offseason is that, Lord, this is exactly what they need is a great quarterback to go along with everything else that they have already. Mm-hmm. It's just, uh, I mean, it's it, it's gotten to the point where it's not fair. Now, do I think that people, they can't be beat? No. Um, I just can't subscribe to that theory. Everybody's beat on different nights and I think if you're going to beat Bama you're not going to out defense them it has to come from an offensive standpoint I think you're gonna have to have a team that can light somebody up offensively like a big 12 type team um, and just play enough defense to get them by like it just if it's just three or four drives out of the entire game where you cause enough havoc that you slow them down force them to a field goal whatever to me that's your best shot uh, and then try to keep everything in front, much like an Iowa State would do. Uh, you can't give up the big play to them because if they're allowed to go down the field and score in 30 seconds and then put you right back out on the field and you got to get hammered away by their defense, it's not going to help. It's not going to help at all. So, Well, let's, let's just hope that their slip-up comes into playoff this year instead of like week 10. Oh, yeah. I would love to see Alabama go. I think a lot of people would reverse that. I would love to see Alabama go into the playoff undefeated. To me, it sets them up a little bit more for that downfall. Yep. Um, and, you know, it means that much more if it is one of our teams that happen to knock them off or whoever, for that matter. So, uh, in terms of the Big Ten and, and Pac-12, too, but obviously focusing more on the Big Ten, man, that was a rough weekend for that conference. <laughs> and deservedly so. Um, yeah, I mean, it couldn't happen to a better league. Maybe the SEC, but that's obviously not going to happen to them. On that, They don't venture out of their own states or out of neutral site games you know, to save their life. So, it's a little harder to get it to happen to them, but um, you know, Big Ten, man. That, and what's bad is uh, the most embarrassing of all might be the Rutgers loss, guys. I mean, you know, Kansas. Uh, again, I don't want Kansas fans to take this wrong, but to not only lose to Kansas but get outright drummed by Kansas, that's a bad look. So I mean, you know, it, it hurts in some of the other. You know, Wisconsin obviously get upset by Brigham Young means more for the conference, means more for whole things. But just in terms of perspective. Man, it really says something. When you're bad, is that bad? You know what I mean? So, I don't know. Interesting there. The question I have 
you know, I, I, I personally told you guys, I thought in, in August the Big Ten was wrapped up and with Ohio State. I just, I just felt that way. Didn't really think the other teams would bring anything uh, enough to beat them anyway. Wisconsin, you know, everybody was picking them in the Final Four and all that. Looking at it now on this side of it, and again, it's going to change. We're going to have teams win and lose, and I think the Big 12 is going to cannibalize itself to some degree. I think we could have a survivor or two, but I think there's going to be a lot of cannibalization in this league too. But looking at the Big 10 after what we saw this weekend – is it really fair to put that conference head and shoulders above the Big 12 anymore, in your opinion, at least this season right now, here in the now? That is a great question. I don't. I think part of it is that they just have more teams than we do. So where they have probably, arguably more bad teams than we do, they, obviously, they also have more good teams than we do, at least that are accepted names. Mm-hmm. You have the, the Michigan, the Penn State, the Wisconsin, Nebraska, Ohio State. So I think it's just – there's more respected programs at the top as opposed to it just being Oklahoma right now in the Big 12. Yeah. Is it fair? Probably not, but I think that's where it's coming from. That's the thing. Like, in our league right now, this is what I see. In our league right now, you have TCU who just went, I don't know if I'd say toe-to-toe, but pretty close to toe-to-toe. You know, a lot of their a lot of their wounds were self-inflicted against their best team, and we're not even sure where TCU is in our league. I mean, in terms of we got about four teams right now that I think would give each other a street fight in in the top four spots. And now me personally, me personally, I think TCU is the second best team in the league. I think they're the second most talented and I think they're the second furthest along. Me too. Um, But we don't for sure know where they are in this league. So when you take into account that, that you've got four teams like that that are pretty, pretty close, I think. Um, there may be two tiers at the top four teams where you got a top tier and a next tier, but it's going to be pretty close. So when you look at that versus uh, the Big Ten, who has pretty much Ohio State, Penn State, you might can throw in there, but they've done some things to hurt themselves too. Um, you know, that that's to me, it looks like we're a little bit ahead, at least at the top, um, which is where it matters because all this is about getting to the playoff. So, you know, I don't know. It just feels like we have a little bit more teams on top than they do. Um, well, now, if, we, if we're we, going on that, I, I was going to say perception is very important with the playoff, and last week was huge for the Big 12 because they did themselves a favor mm-hmm. with that. Even with TCU losing, the way that, in which they lost and where they kind of pushed Ohio State, that really helped the Big 12. And, and looking at the Pac-12, I know they're probably not, and now I firmly believe they're not, or dear God, I hope not. But in perception going into this weekend, USC was probably the second or third best team in the Big Pac-12, wouldn't you say? Yeah, probably third. And our team, our our Texas team, which is roughly fifth or sixth in the league right now, just went out and destroyed them. I mean, you know, so it definitely helps. Like I, I think I don't know that people understand enough how well it helps. I, I to me, the Big Twelve came out looking much better than those two conferences right now. Now, the Big Twelve is going to have to earn it longer than a few weeks before anybody's really going to buy into that. But right now, here in the now, I feel like you got to lean that we have the advantage going into the playoff if it were to start right now as far as perception goes. So, Because a lot of people worry about that if, if it is in Oklahoma. I think a lot of people feel like Oklahoma's probably going to get in because they're blue blood if they're in that position. But if it isn't, if it's an Oklahoma State, if it's a TCU, if it's a West Virginia, which is all feasible, a lot of people think they're going to get passed over because of this league. So if you know if it looks like we won the tougher league, I, I feel like you know it's going to pay out for us in the long run. So anyway, going on forward here, uh, I want to get into a little bit. You know, one thing I will say, we listen to you guys as much as possible. 
Um, also, I try to get a, and also sometimes you guys don't even know you're telling me stuff and you are, and that kind of leads into this next thing we're going to get into. Um, we kind of rededicated ourselves to doing some things here. Colin's come up with a whole new set of stats that we're going to release each week. I think most of you kind of discovered that today on Twitter. Um, he's, he's computing the top leaders at, at, you know, up to like 10 places on everything. Um, we're going to try to start bringing you some more of that kind of key information or facts that maybe you have to go hunting for and you don't like to because it's inconvenient because you're busy and you have lives to lead or you would go to other sites for because they have paid people to do those kind of things. We are going to do our best to start trying to bring you some of that that can maybe help you decide some of the games going forward or what you might need to know um, or the outcome of the game. You know, what's some of the more in-depth things or the stats or things like that. So tonight we're going to get into that a little bit. It's going to take time. You know, over weeks it'll, we'll get better at it. Um, I personally feel like our show structures are going to get a little bit better. You know, some of that stuff I've learned from you guys without you guys even realizing you were giving me that information. So, And then on top of that, too, again, I point to the fact that we're just fans. Me and Colin are just fans. Me and Kendall are fans. Brady, and on down the list of guys we have that help us. We are just fans. Um, some of us are alumni. that's tied to the school, obviously, but we're still just fans. So we kind of have an inkling, I think, for what you guys want, too. Um, and I think with the success of the stats and stuff that Colin released today, I think that just kind of furthered our belief that we're on the right track with this. So we're going to do some of that. Me and Brady are learning some better things with audio to improve the show. Um, I'm personally probably going to be taking some audio courses to learn how to do some of this stuff a little bit better because literally it's 100% self-taught. Um, I've never had anybody show me really about anything. It's pretty much been me staying up all night learning this stuff on my own. So. We're going to try to get better at all that stuff, but starting with some of that and the information, you know, I wanted to kind of start a little bit of a stats and injury segment, kind of update that so you guys kind of know where things are. Um, the only problem is on the review show, now, and it seems like more than ever, Colin, I don't know, you can help me, but it, it, it seems like more than ever the, the press conferences are spread out throughout the week. Um, it seems like when we started this three years ago, pretty much everybody was Monday or Monday, Tuesday. Now, I, it seems like I swore somebody was doing it even on a Wednesday last week. <laughs> um, but that, that said, it, 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 we can't get all the information out because the teams won't release it yet. A lot of the things we find out, we find out via press conference. Uh, now, again, eventually we're working on getting credentialed. I will tell you we are a heck of a lot closer than we were this time last year. Um, and it may happen pretty soon. And if that does happen, then we are going to start being able to access some of this information for you that you know the people you pay on these sites do. Except we'll do it for free. I guess because we're ignorant and we'll do that work for free. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so we got what we could get today. Um, and some of this is – I want to start first with notes that I found from going throughout the league here. Colin will probably have a few more he can bring in with OSU and stuff. Did you – I think you got OSU in Kansas, I believe. Um, I grabbed a few things that I could. Uh, and what we're doing is we're having the guys that are helping us loan out and looking for this stuff, Why you know, the teams they watch to kind of help us out because I just can't track it all the time anymore. It's too much. But first thing I saw I wanted to mention, uh, a, a site called Sports Source Analytics uh, it says non-conference records of the Power 5 conferences they released. Uh, the SEC is 28-5 at 85%. Now, I will say – like I said a while ago, keep in mind, they hardly ever step out of state to do these things. Like Alabama will play South Alabama, you know, Southern Alabama, you know, Southeastern Alabama, and call it a non-conference schedule. And I know some of those aren't schools, but you get the idea. Um, or they'll play neutral site games. A lot of these teams will not step out and play on the road, especially against major. They just won't. And if you have doubt me on that, then go ahead and look it up. I promise you that's what you'll find, especially with the top teams in the SEC. Um 
The ACC is 27 and 7 at 77 percent, and right below them is the Big 12. 19 and 7 is our out-of-conference record right now, uh, 73 percent. Uh, so we're not doing a whole lot worse uh, than some of the other teams are, uh, and obviously that is including some more non-conference games this week because of the weird scheduling. Some of them had, like for instance, oh, you played Iowa State last week, but now they got to turn around and play Army. So stuff like that. Uh, the Pac-12 is at 69%. Win percentage of the Big Ten is at 66%. So just to kind of tell you, again, to kind of help with that perception thing, I mean, that kind of backs it up to me. Uh, and, again, the games we won are a little more important to some degree. The Big 12 was already over the Pac-12 and Big Ten. Um, as far as some of the stats we saw this week around the league, uh, Hollywood Brown, the Oklahoma receiver, that's how most of you know him. Some of you may know him as Marquise. Uh, he had the he broke the Sooner record for most receiving yards in a single quarter in the first quarter at Iowa State. He had four catches for 139 yards and a touchdown. Uh, the previous best was Jalen Saunders versus Texas Tech in 2013. Uh, the quarterback for Texas Tech, the, the guy that stepped in and really after the kind of filling out period against Ole Miss, I would call it. Uh, I think that's probably fair to say. Wouldn't you call him filling out period? Yes. Uh, He kind of brought himself back a little bit since then. Uh, Bowman, man, he went off. Went off against Houston. And against a defense that isn't terrible. I mean, they're they're a solid defense, especially considering what they are. Uh, And as far as not being a power five. Um, He broke the Big 12 and Texas Tech freshman record 605 yards. Which is nuts. That is just crazy. Um, uh, that's just nuts. Uh, he broke the Texas Tech personal record, which was set by uh, Mahomes, I believe, in that OU game a couple of years ago. I think he threw for like 576 yards in that game or something like that, if I remember right. I believe that was the Tech record before. And uh, he just knocked that down. So I could be wrong on that for Tech fans, but I'm pretty sure I remember that correctly. Um, Darius Anderson. Not only set the longest run in TCU history, but if I heard the broadcast right from Herb Street, broke the all-time record for Ohio State giving up a play from scrimmage. Did you hear that? Did you watch that game? I watched the game. I didn't hear that piece. I'm pretty sure I heard it correctly. Now, forgive me. I had a baby in my lap who wasn't feeling well at the time, but I'm pretty sure I heard Herb Street say that that was also the longest play ever given up by Ohio State team from scrimmage. It was a long one, so uh, it's possible. 93 yard. I mean, they've been playing football a long time, so, I mean, that's that's crazy. 93-yard uh, touchdown run broke LaDainian Tomlinson's record. Uh, a couple other things here. Texas breaks an attendance record against USC. Did you see that? Yeah, hundred three thousand. Yeah, hundred three thousand five hundred seven people. That's that's crazy, man. Including our own sky. Yeah, sky was there. Yeah, and wasn't um oh I was thinking somebody else we know was there. Maybe not. I could be wrong. I may be thinking of another game. Our friend uh, Matthew McConaughey was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't get me started <laughs> on that crap. Freaking uh, uh, Grumpy was drooling over him being there. Those photos and everything. Um, ISU stat. Uh, Iowa State pat okay now this I want to I want to talk about this for a second real quickly. Iowa State passed almost 60% of last Saturday's second half. Against Iowa the week before they passed on 20 of 28 second half plays. Now, the guy who posted this tweet is a writer for Iowa State and I'm not going to hang him out the dry cuz I like the guy he seems to do a good job so but he says that's a reason uh, their last in Division One with a 53 yard, yard rushing average. Now I agree that is a reason because obviously they're clearly not throwing the ball as much. But I honestly believe they're not running the ball well enough, and they know it. Um, well, for, we talked about that last week. It's some of the offensive line concerns. Yeah, that's the problem. I I, I said this, I think, on Twitter, and I think some people kind of scoffed at me a little bit. Uh, I'm telling you right now, Montgomery is not going to have the year like he had last year. It's just not going to happen. They cannot run the ball well enough. They 
They do well in spurts, and my God, if you understand anything, he's miraculous sometimes at doing what he does do. Uh, there was a few times against Oklahoma this week where he got the ball, the quarterback got out of the way, and he was standing there looking at a linebacker. I mean, it, it was that bad. So, um, you know, I, I believe a lot of it is they're just not running the ball that well, and they know it. Uh, and that's, you know, that's their bread and butter. If they can't run the ball, they do pass well and do have receivers unlike Iowa State teams in the past, but it, it's only going to take them so far. So, anyway, I just wanted to mention that. Also, um, let's see here, Tech. Uh, 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 Ray wanted us to know that Tech, and this is the only thing he brought me from the Texas Tech game, so he was obviously proud of it. Uh, Tech held Oliver to six tackles and one for tackle for loss. That was it. That's pretty so, impressive. I mean, that's pretty good. Considering what Oliver does to people, that's pretty good. So he was pretty proud of that. Uh, as far as the injuries we got this week so far, I didn't hear a did whole you, lot. Did you want me to get some stats on? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Get some stats, okay. the stats you have. Uh, the things that stuck out to me, Kansas game, 416 yards rushing. When's the, when's the last time you heard Kansas Good rush Lord. for 416 yards? When they played West Virginia last year? Or it wasn't quite that much. I don't <laughs> oh, yeah, think, Khalil but. Herbert again. Yeah. yeah, okay. So, yeah, 416 yards rushing. They had two pick sixes, which stood out to me as well, and obviously were huge in the game. Uh, Oklahoma State, I thought this was interesting, and it was been brought up by a lot of local media down here, but Taylor Cornelius had more rushing attempts and completed passes. Good Lord. 16 to 15. So That's pretty good. Granted, three of the rushing attempts were sacks, but still. <laughs> and then also, of course, the two block punts, one one going for a touchdown were huge in that game as well. Wait, say that again. He had more. Okay, so he had more rushing attempts, 16, than he had pass completions at 15. Oh, that's not good. I thought you said incompletions. No. Okay, okay. So he he ran more than he completed pass. Yeah, that's not. It's kind of weird. It was I mean, it worked out, game, it it worked out okay, flowed. but yeah. Yeah, that's a weird stat, though. Yeah. Especially for Oklahoma is. State. Um, also, the Cowboys now lead the country in sacks. They are first. I can't remember the number. I'd have to look it up. But I saw it on Twitter earlier. They are number one in the country in sacks. Uh, 16. Yeah, that's that's absurd. I mean, uh, you know, that those defenses there, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State, I think you've seen the biggest change in philosophy to some degree. Uh, and it's paid off for them in terms of stats like that. Tackles for lost stats, I mean, they're way up from where they were uh, in previous years. Um some other things real quick before we get to injuries I wanted to mention, if I can pull up the right page on my computer. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'll grab the wrong Okay. Um, the Big 12 is the only FBS league in which 90% of teams have at least two wins through the first nine weeks. I said nine. Through the first three weeks of the season. That's pretty impressive. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Uh, the Big Twelve was five and two in non-conference games last week. The wins over the top two ten, with wins over top two top twenty-five opponents, if I could talk, and against two peer conferences. The Big Twelve leads all leagues with thirty-seven percent of its non-conference games against autonomy leagues, meaning we played more uh, power fives basically than anybody else. Uh, the Big 12 is second with its .667 or 14-7 win percentage against opponents from other FBS conferences. The Big 12's 40 points a game lead all conferences. Defenses have contributed 13 touchdowns and two safeties. That's pretty impressive. That, that right there is what I'm talking about. The yeah. defensive play is getting better. And it's and no, that's not going to carry out in Big 12 play. You're not going to see those same kind of numbers like that. But we weren't doing that against crappy teams last year, <laughs> yeah. and now we are. That's what a point I want to make. Uh, even when people want to dog Oklahoma or Oklahoma State or 
TCU for the opponents they played Tech. the first couple of weeks. Tech, some of their opponents they played. It, look at what we're doing that we didn't do last year, and that, to me, is a sign that things are getting better. Um, in last week's games, defense and special teams grabbed the spotlight as Kansas returned two interceptions for touchdowns and Oklahoma State blocked two punts and returned one for a score. Texas scored on a blocked field goal while Baylor also had a blocked punt return for a TD. It was a psycho day for that stuff. I mean, I know at one point when all the games were going on, I was grabbing it, telling y'all that, you know, something just happened, like a block field goal touchdown, and y'all telling me in this game another thing happened. I mean, it was chaos. It, there was a period where it was just nuts. Uh, I think Rutgers put the ball on the ground like nine freaking times or something. It was absurd. So did Kansas. Uh, yeah, that, that game went back and forth like that. Um, a stat we saw during the game, for those of you who watched it, but just as a refresher, OSU's blocked 23 kicks since 2013. That leads to the country of anybody. Uh, Kansas leads the nation in turnover margin at plus four and is second. Let me state that again. Kansas leads the nation in turnover margin and is second in the NCAA with an 81.05 pass efficiency defense. Again, getting back to we've told you guys there's some NFL people on this defense. They've got at least three players, I would say, that are at least going to be looked at by the NFL, wouldn't you say, on defense? Yes. Yeah, at least, and I would imagine probably make it, but they'll at least be looked at by the NFL. Um the Jayhawks have gained seven interceptions and six fumbles while committing just one fumble. Uh, TCU at 50, 511 and Oklahoma at 490 in 2017 have put up the most offensive yards against Ohio State since it won the 2014 national title. So OU and TCU of all of their opponents since they won that national title in 14 have, have by far output the most yardage against them. Um with Texas's 37-14 win over USC, it joins Michigan and Ohio State as the only programs to reach 900 all-time victories. The Longhorns held USC to a whopping minus five yards rushing. Yes, they did that if you didn't notice. Um, you know, we talked about how bad, and we'll get into it more in a minute, uh, the, the USC lines of play were, the O-line and the D-line, and it really showed in that game. And, and I'm not taking anything away from Texas. They did a spectacular job. They capitalized on it. They did what they had to do. But it showed why, you know, it was the it was the right formula to give this kind of a situation. But still, to any time you have a negative stat offensively, that is dang impressive. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, Alan Bowman, Texas Tech, set the Big 12 freshman passing record. We already know that. But he had 43 completions for the 605 yards, five touchdowns against Houston. He became the third freshman in FBS history to throw for 600 yards in a game, joining David Neal from Nevada and Luke Falk from Washington State. So uh, I, that's just some of the stats from around the week. Uh, it was a crazy week. It was a great weekend for us overall as a conference. Hopefully you guys get the gist of that. Uh, a few of the injuries I wanted to mention that I did get. Um, let's see here. Okay, uh, let me uh, – I got to pull it up here. All right, so I got these uh, injuries pulled up now. Um, you know, a couple of them, especially going into the game this weekend between TCU and Texas, they are playing this weekend, right? I'm not making that up in my head. TCU and Texas, yeah. yes. Okay, so yeah, that's um, that's kind of a big game. So going into some of that, uh, I kind of wanted to mention a few things. Uh, the defensive, well, defensive lineman, linebacker, uh, it depends on, again, like some of the other guys on Texas, it depends on what site or what depth chart you look at. I consider him more of a defensive lineman, but he also plays some stand-up linebacker and stuff. So Malcolm Roach. Uh, he went down with a foot injury, broken foot. He left the USC game at the USC game. We didn't quite know what was wrong with him at the time. Just knew it was probably it was bad enough to keep him out of the rest of the game. 
Uh, he's out for with a broken foot. He's going to have surgery this week, I think they said. So he's out for another I think it's probably six two eight, months. Six yeah, to eight weeks. Basically two months. I mean, how big is that for this team? That's pretty big. That's a that's a big time player. Uh, they and the thing is, is like you know, we talked about especially with the defensive line and offensive line, they can't afford injuries. Offensive line has more depth on paper than they've had in recent years, but it's you know, you're not looking at your typical offensive and defensive lines at Texas. This hurts them uh, with the transfers they had. The fact that the players behind them aren't very experienced, so it's not really going to work out too well for them losing him. Uh, the freshman, Joseph Asai, he's going to step in and play a lot in this position. I believe he came in in the game after Roach left, too, if I remember right. So uh, not a good deal for them. Uh, on more of a positive side with this one, uh, John Burt's cleared for practice this week. Uh, so that gives them another speedy outside guy at wide receiver that you know can make some plays for them if – and it's a big if Ellinger can be given the time to do something because, man, there was times that guy made some plays the other night um, on the run. And I've been the first to admit he's not a playmaker. He's not the playmaker they need. Uh, I still think in a Big 12 shootout they're in trouble. Uh, but in a game like this where they could control the defense, control how USC play, control the line of scrimmage, keep the scoring down, get some turnovers, make some key plays – he did enough and was good enough to win this kind of game. Where it's not going to help them is if they get in a, you know, 55 to something, 40-something shootout with somebody. That's where I think they're going to be in trouble. So, Burt doesn't give them the option outside on that. Um, next, uh, I believe your boy, running back Keontae Ingram. Isn't that the one you're high on? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's listed as questionable for this game coming out. Or this week, he's probably not, pretty much not going to practice in questionable for the game. Uh, that's a blow to them because, to me, he's been by far their best back so far as far as, like, excitable plays. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. he, he seems he's like, the explosive guy. Yeah, he seems like he's got that, that extra burst that the other guys don't. Um, also, uh, offensive lineman Zach Shackelford, which, again, is starting to get to the offensive line a little bit. He's, he's a center, right? Yeah, that sounds right. Playing center. That sounds right. Um, he's doubtful for this game. Uh, usually doubtful means he's probably not going to play, so – uh, Bobby Mc... Oh, moving on to the next one. Uh, the, the linebacker, and we weren't exactly sure what happened for those who were watching the Oklahoma-Iowa State game. Uh, I believe in the first quarter, if memory serves me correct, it was pretty early in the game. Uh, Bobby McMillan, the linebacker, left the game. Uh, also, the problem is he's a huge special teams impact player for them. He's done some big things for them there. Uh, he uh, tore his ACL. Also saw another report that said MCL, but saw more that said ACL, so I'm going to go with ACL. Either way, he's done for the year. Uh, they're not expecting him back at all this year. So, um, Also, uh, in terms of how it affects the TCU-Texas game, which we will get into more on the, the preview show this week, B.J. Foster, uh, he'll be out for the first half of that game. Uh, and this will be at least the second consecutive game, maybe third, that te- I think, let's see, Maybe third. I can't remember if anybody missed the second. Yeah, I think this will be the third uh, consecutive week that Texas has had somebody in the defensive backfield or linebacker sit out half for for uh, targeting. Uh, did you see the hit? Yeah, I was targeting. Yeah, I, I just <laughs> there, there was no question I was targeting. I, I'm just checking. I'm just checking, making sure I'm not missing something because I had. Uh, or the close friend who's a Texas fan asked me what I thought about it, and then I went and got the clips of it and went clip by clip because they were trying to say he moved his helmet to the side. Uh, to me, it's pretty clear before his shoulder completely makes impact with him. With uh, St. Brown, you can see uh, St. Brown's helmet just completely get rocked to the side, and it looks like by his helmet. And the problem is 
Um, targeting is, is defined simply as uh, forcible contact to the head and neck area. So, uh, I mean, to me, it was close enough. I could, I'll put it this way. Even if you don't think the helmet made contact, I could see why they threw the flag. So, anyway. Well, that's a good thing now with the way that that penalty is set up is that they can throw the flag and have it reviewed, and then they can pick it up. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I was telling him. Uh, and in the past, you know, there were times where it got thrown and people got ejected and we were thrown a fit because you could clearly see that they screwed it up. Um, but in this case, you know, now, like you said, you know, the fact that they can go back and pick the flag up now, it's not near as crucial. And when they spend as much time looking at it as they did and enough views of it, and they've got more views of it than we even have, to me, that, I mean, that I don't know what else you could ask for. I think they did their job. They did everything they needed to do. I'm sorry he's ejected from the game, but he is. Um, uh, to me, it's an impact. I mean, you're already you're already down a few injuries in that game. You know, we'll get to it more in the preview, but that's crucial for them uh, because I talked to uh, somebody that does TCU stuff for us a lot, and he's telling me that they're pretty healthy coming out of the Ohio State game for the most part. Uh, so that's you know you're talking about a healthy team versus a team that's starting to have some some bang ups and injuries. So uh, that's about all I got this week for you. Do you have any injuries out of uh, Oklahoma State or Kansas? I don't. I, I I did hear on the press conference today. You know, somebody asked the question to Coach Gundy on the. I guess it was his press conference or the teleconference one. You know, why why haven't we seen a lot of the uh, the backup wide receivers play? And it sounds like some of those guys are banged up, so probably see them moving forward, but okay. not just yet. Okay. Um, also, that reminded me, the Kansas player, uh, Puka Williams. Uh-huh. Um, uh, Fitz. Fitz uh, sent me something earlier, and, you know, I, it, I, I hate to be too – um, negative in this situation because I don't have a lot of the facts. But basically, this is what he's telling me. Uh, Puka Williams is having some ongoing eligibility issues. Um, they're saying it's not a disciplinary matter. He was cleared to play against CMU. Um, they're saying he'll play this weekend, but it sounds like it could be an ongoing issue. He, he's really not. He's trying to find out more about it. Uh, but in his opinion, that could, and I mean, you know, we wouldn't be talking about it if it wasn't a huge impact for Kansas. So, I mean, uh, you know, if he does miss some games going forward, it sounds like he's definitely going to play against Baylor. Uh, but going forward, that's something to keep your eye on Kansas fans. Cause that's, I mean, he's kind of been their rock so far this year. I mean, isn't that fair to say? Yeah. He's definitely a big part of the Renaissance. So, uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. So I don't have any more information on that. If I can get some more, I will, but right now that's all we know. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. I think that's about all. Anything else before we get into review of the games real quickly? No, I think that's it. All right. So hopefully you guys are brought up to date and all that. Again, Oh, no, I do have something. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so did you see the uh, betting lines for the, the Heisman today? No, I did not. I heard Kyler Murray's in second in a lot of polls, but that's all I heard. And I don't, that was by a radio, so I'm that, not even that's, sure that's right. That's not even what I'm going to. Okay. So <laughs> the lines came out, the updated odds from uh, Bavada. Mm-hmm. And Kenny Hill is on the list. <laughs> <laughs> so it shows, it shows 19-18, he was sitting there at 100. Or no, okay, hold, uh, I lost it. Hold on. So Okay, so he was 100 to 1 odds, 19-18. And now the updated odds, mind you, so he was on there originally. They didn't catch it and updated again. So now he's 80 to 1 odds. Did, so his this, odds increased even when he graduated last year. This just further proves the point in our complaint and our bitch. And the reason why we started this show 
um, that people don't cover the Big 12 like they should. And it continues it continues to get treated as a second-class conference. You don't see this crap in the SEC. You don't see this crap in the ACC. And, this, and it, it pisses me off because on top of, I believe, a lot of you, most of you, it was probably our most popular tweet of the day, uh, where we posted the, the clipping from the USA Today, where basically they had James Washington having a stellar performance in the game last Saturday against Boise. Yes, James Washington, who now plays for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the NFL. He's not even in college anymore. <laughs> uh, and they had him having a stellar day and mentioned his, him losing the, the Heisman to Baker. But then turned around and also mentioned that he plays for Oklahoma. Didn't mention that he did at Oklahoma State, where he played his entire career. Mentioned that he played for Oklahoma. Uh, it was just, uh, I don't know, six ways of bad. And and so when you combine that and this kind of crap with Kenny Hill, it just pisses me off because this is the entire reason why we decided to see, start this show because we felt like they weren't getting the proper coverage. So anybody who wonders that, now you know because that's, it's just ridiculous. Well, and, and Feinbaum picking OU to beat Boise State last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you go. There's another one I completely forgot about. Um, you know, maybe he hadn't had his morning coffee yet. He isn't getting up there in age, but I mean, a guy that ESPN will, will say something along the lines of who else would we bring out to talk college football than Paul Feinbaum? If you're coming out to those words, you need to know what the heck's going on. I'm sorry. Uh, and then you got, um, you know, what's moron that does the, the college football final show Galloway. Um, you know, his just moronic pick last year of Baylor, sorry, Baylor fans, picking <laughs> Baylor to win the Big 12 when everybody who had a brain in their head that paid attention to this league knew there was no way on God's green earth they were going to win this league. They were going to be lucky to win a handful of games. And now he goes back and says, Kansas, watch out for Kansas. You know, we got to watch out for those Jayhawks. I mean, Kansas fans, we're proud of what you're doing. It's looking a lot better, but come on. I mean, uh, let's be real here. They got a shot at winning a couple games in the league this year, and that's it. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. It just it pisses me off because the national media tries to claim, like, oh, yeah, we paid attention to teams and conferences equally, and they clearly don't. Um, which is another reason, on a long way, I could say Texas needs to get back to where they belong. You start getting two programs like that at the top, and people will start paying a little more attention than they are. Um, anything else before we get into games from the week? No, that's it for me. All right. Hopefully you guys are caught up to date with some of that that's going on. We will get more out when it comes to the um, injuries and things from the press conferences. Again, now they're all spread out or a little more spread out than they used to be. So as we get more information on Tuesday, we'll send that out to you guys. Um, all right. Let's roll into the first one of the week. Uh, this one was the 11 o'clock game. Obviously, that's why it's first on our schedule. We got OU and Iowa State. Um, a lot of mixed reaction from this. Um, it kind of depends on what side of the fence you fall on. 37-27 to 27 was the final score. And, uh, you know, I want you to talk about it first before I say some stuff because probably my opinions aren't going to be the most popular from what I've seen from other people, but we'll get to that. Um, just, you know, just show me your thoughts, your takeaways from the game. Well, my takeaway is I did not watch this game because I was watching the Kansas game. I know. <laughs> but, you know but you talked to us enough to know what's going from on. From what I've heard... I guess my biggest takeaway would be it sounds like OU is struggling tackling. That's just been all over the radio today. That's, and people that's just fair. We'll complete, get to that. But complete that's meltdowns. Uh, other than that, I mean, Kyler Murray looks like he had a great game. Uh, I forget. He was over 300 yards again with three touchdowns, rushed for like 75 yards or something like that. And I mean, it sounds like just your normal OU game. I guess an, another concern that I would have, and not really a concern, but Zeb Nolan had a really good game. He threw for like 340 yards. Yeah, 
Um, we'll get to that in a second, too. Hakeem Butler, like 170-something yards receiving. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get to watch a game like I was saying. I watched Kansas game. All right. So, when it, and this game was I, obviously not largest reason, but this game had a lot to do with why I said this was kind of an overreaction weekend. And it has mostly to do with Oklahoma fans. Iowa State fans, sit tight for a minute because we'll get to you. Um, when it, in terms of, okay, first the overreaction to Kyler Murray leading rushing. Um, yes, he led rushing in this game. No, I don't think it's going to happen every game. It also had to do with a few long runs he had. Um, it kind of went with the flow of the game. And to me, honestly, I you know I don't have uh, Lincoln Riley sitting in front of me. I don't feel like there was a near enough commitment to the run game in this game, period. Um, and if you go look at the carries for everybody and stuff, I think you'll find, you'll see that too. Yeah, that kind of stands out. I mean, you only had looks like twenty four rushing attempts from the running backs, and then fifteen from Murray. Yeah, I I just I don't feel like there was enough commitment. Period, and and it wasn't that they couldn't do it because oh, you led this entire game. Um, so from whistle to whistle, Iowa State goes down, uh, gets a four and three and out or four and out because they tried to go forward and fourth down. OU takes over, scores, and they never fall behind in the game. Um. So to me, there was a chance there to do it, and to me, they didn't look, didn't sit on the run near enough. I thought they could have committed to it a little more. So hold off on that. I, I, Sermon is a more than capable back, and Sutton did a heck of a job too. Um, so just you know, hold off on that. It's a little bit ridiculous to be going after him like that. Um, in terms of the defense, I I have a very different outlook on it than a lot of people. And I, first of all, the first thing I want to say is. Keep in mind what we're dealing with here, guys. We're talking about a team that hasn't been good defensively in over a decade. When you're talking nationally good. They've had some years or some moments where they've looked okay. But the last team I can remember even being a decent defensive threat in, in Oklahoma, as far as nationally goes, was probably the 08 team that went to the national title. And they weren't world beaters defensively. They were solid, but they weren't world beaters. You had some decent defenses in 10. Injuries kind of cost a lot of them in those 10 and 11 seasons. Um, you started to see the slide linebacker in some of the other positions, and it just slowly went on from there. This team has not been good. So everything needs to be kept relative to that. Um, the excitement around the defense after the first two games was, uh, one, they looked a lot better, clearly. Yes, they did. But two, also, they were making plays. There was pressure. They were doing all that. They didn't do that in this game. They didn't bring a lot of the pressure in this game that they did in other games. I was honestly curious, so I went to kind of find out what's going on. Uh, if you listen to Mike Stoops in the game, you know, because the last thing I wanted to see was us going to a clam, clam up. Now, don't get me wrong. There were some times we brought blitzes and they got home and things like that. And it worked out. Okay. But they didn't, they didn't bring near the pressure or commit to near the pressure they did in previous games. And I was just kind of curious, you know, what's, if you listen to Mike, he, according to him, and I don't remember the exact percentage number, but he gave like roughly a number of plays, basically that say Iowa State was in full max protect, meaning they had fullback and and tight end back in there to protect a lot of the game, most of the game, majority of the game. Um, one, there's only so many players you can commit to a blitz on that. His number he threw out was seven. Uh, and basically you're foolish if you try to do it too much because they're going to beat you. And I think it did happen on some plays. They got beat trying to do it. But – Basically, what it sounded like to me is we weren't going to come after them like we had other teams because it was a lost cause. You're not going to get home with Max protecting there all the time like you need to. So that's part of it. I want to throw that out there, too. When it comes to the tackling, yes, on the outside, I will say the tackling was very bad. When it comes to, well, bad, I don't know if I'd go very bad because I've seen a lot worse out of this team in recent years. Um, the, especially at the corner positions and stuff like that, it was not good. Um, 
you, the, I think a lot of people focus on the two big busted plays more than anything because there was like six or seven missed tackles on those two plays alone. Um, but yeah, there was, it was not great. It was not up to par. Um, but that doesn't shock me in terms of we haven't defended really large receivers very well at all, period, when it comes to just what Butler did uh, in several, several years. So it doesn't shock me by any means. Um, I say all that to say this. I don't think it's as bad as people. You went from people being really excited about the defense because of what they looked like and what they'd done to now they want to burn everything down and it's back to fire Mike Stoops. And I just don't think that's feasible in terms of the one thing we've been telling you guys since week one, it's we don't have very large sample size yet. We're still learning things about these teams. Also, and like I said, relative to the fact that this defense hasn't been good in over a decade, guys, it's not going to suddenly look like Alabama's defense in one year. It's just not. The players are coming. That I can promise you. Because the recruiting is going up tremendously, even on the defensive side of the ball. They got another big one yesterday that's better than the kind of talent they've been bringing in. So it's getting better, but it's not going to overnight. And, and here's what I wanted to tell you, Colin. Um, if I told you this was the uh, drive summaries for, for Iowa State. Now, like I said, keep in mind, I, this is my personal opinion. I don't want to neg- Iowa State to take anything negative out of this, fans. But you take away the two busted touchdowns to Butler. It was really a pretty good day. I don't know what had happened on those drives had they not scored a touchdown, but I can look at this and start to come up with a pretty good idea that there's no guarantee they would have been touchdowns. They may have gotten – because they were struggling once they got down kind of close too. So uh, this, is the, this is the drive summary for Iowa State. And like I said, keep in mind, two of those were busted plays to Butler for touchdowns, okay? Um, punt, field goal, touchdown, punt, end of half. Okay, that's the first half. Second half, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, punt, field goal, interception. Now, does that sound like a horrid day defensively? No. That's exactly my point. Um, especially when you take into terms Oklahoma. Now, granted, I know some of these people are probably going and looking back at what Iowa State did the week before against Iowa. And believe me, that's in the back of my mind. Um, for now, without having more of a size to mark them up, and size them up. I'm going to say it was just first week. They were still getting things figured out. And here's the other thing, guys. Personally, you asked me. I know you brought it up all ago as we shifted the Iowa State side of this. I think Zeb Nolan's a better quarterback. And I think he will be. And I think at worst, they're even right now at worst. And when he's the younger guy that's going to be here for a few more years, I think you got to go with him. Um, you start looking at people that actually are paid to cover this team. They kind of agree there's going to be a quarterback battle there going forward. Uh, I know our guys on our staff, I talked to them today, they all kind of think Zeb should be the starter now. And here's why. It, and it wasn't necessarily just a battle you defense making him look good. He made some throws. He made some throws that Kemp may have made, made, may not have made. But it just, I don't know, it looked better, it felt better. I feel like they got a better chance with no one. That's just my personal opinion. And it did look terrible last week in the second half with him in there. It did. Um, But I'm going to say somewhat of a filling out period for him. And he got a lot more comfortable this week with preparation as the starter and took off. They... I'm telling you, he in, in the, when it comes to the back shoulder throws, which are big now in college football, the teams that do that and do that well, move the ball down the field well, he did those great. Um, I've seen better ones from elite quarterbacks, but he did really well with it. So I would like to throw that out there. Secondly, when it comes to Iowa State, defensively, they can't be upset. Yes, they lost. Yes, they gave up 37 points to this offense. Guys, I don't know that anybody else will hold this team under 40 points the rest of the year. I really don't. Um and I mean that. I'm not just saying that as an OU fan. I really just don't see it. Um, 
they did what they set out to do. They kept the ball in front like they like we talked about. Were they going to be stubborn enough to do that? They did it the whole game. Um, and, and kudos to them for sticking to it because at one point they were down 14 to nothing, I believe, maybe 17 to nothing, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, I can't remember exactly what it was now, but they were down. They were down a couple scores anyway. Um, and they stuck with it. They stuck to their game plan. They just didn't have the horses to run with the wide receivers in this game. I mean, though you wide receivers did whatever they wanted. And I think had it not been for yes, I'm going to say cheap shot. I still would like to see video of it focused just on that play. But the cheap shot to Lamb in the first quarter, uh, where he basically got clotheslined by a dude and didn't even see it coming. Um, he probably, I think, would have had a better game. It, did, it seemed to really kind of shake the cobwebs out on him. He never quite, I don't know, he just was never the same. He did have the one touchdown catch, but that was it. Um, I think it could have been even worse in that scenario. Um, the OU wide receivers were just, they did whatever they wanted in this game. Um, to me, the running game was there and, and to be had for OU, and they didn't take advantage. So Iowa State wins that battle for the most part, I think. Uh, but Kyler Murray hurt him too. So, you know, I don't they they did well enough. They did what they meant to defensively. Offensively, there's still going to be some struggles. I don't think Montgomery's going to do well as he did last year. The offensive line is still not great. Um, the defensive line gave OU fits in terms of, and I have to believe this because I don't have the all 22 film for every snap. But when you look at how many penalties OU had on his offensive line, they don't ever do that, guys. They haven't done that in years. Uh, going back to since what was it, Orlando Brown's freshman year. Uh, in 2015 when they had all the stupid penalties because he would jerk somebody by the neck or something after a play. Outside of stuff like that, they didn't have, they have the offensive line just doesn't commit penalties like that, and they had several. So the, the defensive line from Iowa State, I believe, was causing them havoc. So all in all, that's my breakdown of the game. I wanted to get to that. Um, you know, Iowa State, the meter's definitely looking a lot better than it was when we left Iowa last week. Um, because you guys are going to be competitive and you're going to be competitive in this league and you're going to do this to everybody. You are going to do this exact formula to everybody. So um, I think, put it this way, Colin, I don't know that any other Big 12 team comes out of there with a win this week, that day, the way they played. Maybe, I'm not saying they can't, but I don't know if it happens because they forced OU to execute every single drive and that's what they did. OU was having scoring drives of five minutes, seven minutes. You don't ever see that. Not Ever. Big 12 now. Um, they had one big touchdown play early to Kyler Murray. They did have the one fumble by Calcaterra. After that, they committed to it and stuck with it and drove the ball down the field every play. And that's what Iowa State wants to do. They want to force you to do that until you screw up. So um, that's just my take on the game. Any more thoughts you have on the, those two? No, I was going to tell you a, a funny tweet that I saw about this game, though. It was kind of explaining the OU fans, I guess, concerns and criticism of the defense. Somebody posted a score, and I don't know what game it was, but posted a score, and it was like 90-6, to six, and they're like, this is why OU fans are griping, because this is a score they expect every week, regardless of the Oh, yeah, we're spoiled. <laughs> yeah, as an OU fan, I'll I thought that, that was very accurate. Yes, it is. We are spoiled, because um, we have a culture of great defense at the school, for fans of it. Um, we expect that, and it just hasn't been there in the last decade or since Venables left, pretty much. Um, you've had some bright spots under Mike occasionally, but it just hasn't been consistent since Venables left. Um, and, you know, you, there's a lot of reasons you can blame that on, but we are spoiled because we believe we should be like Alabama. We should be able to go out there and put 50 up on everybody, and we should be able to hold everybody to seven. And it just does <laughs> – one, it's not going to happen in this league. I'm telling you right now, this Alabama team couldn't do it in this league. They're not holding everybody to seven points in this league. It ain't going to happen. But that's just how we – I mean, as Oklahoma fans, we're spoiled rotten. That's just part of it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I totally agree with that. 
Um, all right, let's roll on to the next one. Sorry I took so long, but I wanted to get that out there because I, there was a lot of people saying a lot of stupid things over the weekend. Um, all right, roll on into Rutgers and, and Jayhawks. Um, this one, uh, I don't know. Is there a bigger shocker of the weekend here? You know, uh, maybe not necessarily win, but how they won. Oh, no, yeah. No, this has to be the most shocking game of the weekend by that case. I mean, uh, you know, I, 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 let me go look here real quick. It's on this page. Let me scroll down. Let's see here. Uh, okay, I was looking at turnovers. Okay, Rutgers had six turnovers to take Kansas none. Now, the reason I wanted to look that up was because um, it seemed like every five seconds you were texting me and telling me that Rutgers put another one on the turf or <laughs> threw it to the other defensive back. So. And you were keeping up with this game, I believe, while we were watching OU and Iowa yeah. State, me and Kendall. So you say that Kansas had none, but they did have a field goal block in return for a touchdown. Oh, okay. They had another field goal block after that. Good goal. Good Lord, where, where it really wasn't blocked. It was more that the the deep snapper snapped the ball, and the, the guy, the, the holder, it hits him in both hands, and he dropped it. <laughs> <laughs> just mass pandemonium. Uh, it's a Tony Romo moment. Yeah, it, it started out. It was just nuts for the first half of this game. Oh, it had to be because, like I said, um, like every five seconds, my phone was going off and you and the ball was going the other direction. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it was. And I wish I could have watched it. I, I got to see the compressed version of it, but I don't think that does it justice because you're not getting the feeling of the game each time. It's just quick play after quick play after quick play. So yeah, it was. Um, it was crazy. Um, you know, with Kansas, <laughs> here's the fear I have for Kansas in a game like this. Don't and I know this sounds silly because you, this is not a physical, tangible thing, but don't you kind of worry that maybe they got a little bit too much of out of it on one week and they didn't save anything because <laughs> they put up 55 points in one week? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they since since they brought in Puka Williams, let, you know, we go back a couple of weeks. We were talking about Kansas was lifeless. They needed some type of spark. He's been that spark, man, and. Somebody tweeted me earlier, right before we started recording, that you know if Puka Williams is on the roster week one, they probably win that game. Oh yeah, yeah. So Kansas sitting here three and zero, and what are we talking about at that point? Yeah, and well, we would have got close to the matchup we all thought we were going to get, at possibly get at Waco the three and zero battle of three and zeros, but ended up being two and one, so it's not too bad. Um, man, I just and it just not even turnovers, just overwhelmingly Kansas kicked their ass. Uh, first downs 40, 22 to fourteen. Uh, total yards. Kansas almost doubles them, five forty-four to two seventy-four. I'd have to With do that. Four hundred and sixteen of those being rushing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's absolutely. See, that's the thing. If Kansas can win like that, guys, they're going to be pretty solid. If they can keep Bender from having to be Superman, uh, you know. And, and now, here's another thing I want to get from you. Um, you told me you thought, and I've lost his name, that Kendrick. Kendrick. I was going to say Jackson for some reason. Miles Kendrick. You told me you kind of thought the offense worked better under him. Explain. I think he's just a better quarterback, man. I, I think Bender is what he is. And I was talking to Fitz earlier, and he, he made the point that Bender's trying not to make mistakes. He's mm-hmm. like, he's. He's, he's game manager. More, yeah, he, he's not doing enough. But he's not even just, really a good game manager. Yeah, he's just not making plays where. You know, Kendrick, he has he can run, he can pass. And the touchdown pass that he threw to Booker in the first half was just beautiful. And you, mm-hmm. up until that point, Bender, I mean, I don't know. He just doesn't impress me. And he's had basically a year and a quarter now, and he still hasn't done anything to show that he's the guy. Mm-hmm. So if you have a young guy like a Kendrick, why not go with him? I mean, David Beatty has nothing to lose at this point. No. So if you're, if you're thinking that by getting him some experience now can pay dividends later in conference play, do it. I mean, you win. If he can get to the point where he's looking at maybe five to six wins, maybe we start having a discussion of does he save his job? 
that's not happening with Bender. I'm telling you right now, it's not. Hmm. Okay. I, I just, I was just curious because Bender's kind of seemed to, at least from a coaching standpoint, they really seem to believe in him. They so. do, and I think it's the experience, and you know, he's played what three, four years now, so it feels like it. He yeah. has a lot of experience, <laughs> and I think it, it's kind of like the same with Oklahoma State with Taylor Cornelius. He's just the guy because he has experience. Maybe not because he's the most talented, but because mm-hmm. he's been there. And you probably feel the safest. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kendrick- which to me. Kansas doesn't need to feel safe. No. They need somebody out there that has the highest ceiling. Yeah, it's kind of like, uh, you know, we talk about with Texas and Ellinger. To me, Ellinger just doesn't make enough plays to keep to put that team where they believe they should be expectation-wise. Um, Kansas, I don't think Bender probably makes enough plays for them to get them where they need to make up for that lack of whatever that's around him. Right. Also, I'd like to point out that Rutgers is just really bad. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, another, I don't want to take an ounce away from Kansas. This is impressive. Uh, this is the most impressive Kansas win I can remember, maybe going back to 2008, 2009. Um, it was that impressive. But apparently Rutgers is really, really, really bad. Well, I want to put this into perspective. On the first pick six, the one that uh, Tornadin had, mm-hmm. So, the play before that, he the quarterback throws a pass that hits a Kansas defender right in the numbers, and he drops it. I mean, it's it's walk-in pick six if he catches that. And they're talking about you can't let those opportunities pass. Very next play, pick six. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. the kind of day it was for Rutgers. Yeah, I mean, and, that's, and again, that's what it kind of felt like on my end of it, with you constantly giving me updates on the game. It was just <laughs> every time I turned around, Rutgers would put the ball in Kansas' hands. Um, and... You know, as much as I want to give Kansas just this awesome credit, you should win a game like this when you get six turnovers to none. Uh, technically none. Uh, they're not crediting you guys with a turnover. So, um, time of possession, Kansas even dominated that by nine minutes. Uh, it just, I mean, over if you look at the chart, uh, it FPI the or the you know the percentage on is this team going to win this game? It just Kansas all the way uh, until they won the game and put it away. So. Um, you know, I don't just I just I can't say enough good about it. It gets you excited about them. Um, it even got apparently our staff so excited that they and I meant to talk about that while I go and forgot uh, the uh, our power rankings that came out today got them so excited. Kansas is no longer in last place. I couldn't tell you the last time I saw that. I don't it's think that's happened, happened since we started. It's never happened. Yeah. So um, personally, you guys are still in last in my poll. But if you go out and beat <laughs> Baylor this week. Uh, I'll I'll gladly move you up. I just and I and actually right now you hold a gun to my head. I'd probably pick Kansas to win the game, but uh, just right now I still have Baylor over the top of you guys. Before we move on, I do have a couple of things I wanted to uh, just stats. First off, after this game, Puka Williams leading the conference in rushing. Yeah, which is insane just in itself. No, I do want to say I do want to say that with a caveat. I told said the same thing to Fitz today. Keep in mind, and I'm not taking anything away because again, anytime Kansas is doing good things, we're all about it. But most of, if not all, until Justice Hill this last week, and I guess probably Darius Anderson now, of the elite backs in this league have not played full games. Uh, a lot of them have been out in the first half. Uh, have not okay. Have not played two full games anyway. They played one game, or maybe it's just now amounting to two full games. So, you know, I just I want to I want to throw that caveat out there. It's not like. You know, whereas what's he carried the ball? Most of the majority of it for the two games he's played? Well, yeah, and I wanted to point out, like, rushing attempts-wise, he's right in the ballpark of everybody else. Okay, okay. So, I mean, that that's fair, but at the same time, he's in the ballpark. So, so he's I mean, getting the same amount of carries. Justice Hill has 34 rush attempts. He has 32. Okay. So, he, he's leading, and it's he's averaging almost nine yards a carry. Yeah, and, yeah, I guess that's fair. I'd say Justice Hill of full carries is probably up in the 40s by now. On full games, maybe even fifties. Yeah, 
So, I mean, um, what, so, what he's yeah. doing is impressive. But also, Jake Trotter with ESPN had put out a stat earlier that no other team in the country has more 40-yard rushes in Kansas this season. Yeah, I saw that, too. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Um, yeah, Jake's put out some. And, and that's the kind of weekend it was in the Big 12. There was a lot of crazy stats coming out this weekend, and that was just one of them. Uh, but go ahead. Any other stats you got? No, those were the two I had. Okay. Uh, you know, great game, Kansas. I wish, you know, I want to see more. I'll put it that way. Um, let's let's see how much of this was just Rutgers. I mean, I don't really know how else you need to put it other than that. Um, Baylor's not as bad as Rutgers. I can guarantee you that. But Baylor has their deficiencies, which we'll get to momentarily. So defensively, I think this team looked a lot like we thought they could be defensively at times. You know, I don't expect them to have six turnovers every weekend. But, again, there are NFL players on this defense at all three levels. Well, and they're starting to play with some fire again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. That, too. Yeah, they're looking like that passionate team that's getting after it. So, uh, you know, let's let's go out and beat Baylor this weekend. Not anything against Baylor if you win, great. (laughs) But let's go out and beat Baylor again this week, and then we'll talk about you guys some more. Uh, and see if we can establish, you know, I, I again, I, some of the things that are great, I still need to learn some things about this team that I'm not sure they know yet, uh, and we certainly don't know yet. So let, let's go there and figure that out. Um, all right, moving on to the next one on the schedule. This one, um, I would say, was probably the surprise nationally considering how many people were picked on the other side of it or had comments about it or – believed in one team more than the other or whatever you want to say uh it seemed to really shock a lot of people i was listening to a lot of broadcasts as the score was revealed during that game and a lot of oh wow okay um oklahoma state hands boise state their hind ends 44 to 21 um and really to me the score makes it look closer than this game really felt i don't know about you yeah, maybe you felt a little different accurate, to, yeah. to me the score looks closer than what it really felt like i mean it was utter domination um I'm really impressed with Oklahoma State had the uh, fortitude, I guess you'll say, to go after Boise like they did because all we heard going in this game was how good Boise's offensive line was and that their defensive line was solid and their line play was so great on both sides. And Oklahoma State absolutely exposed this offensive line. Um, Rushing, I think, what, 44 yards or something like that Boise ended up with rushing total as a team. Uh, I'd have to go back and look. I can't remember. No, I'm trying to find out. Right I think now. it was like 44 yards. Uh, the, the the running back had 53. So they okay. Here 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 it is for you. Net yards rushing, they had 34. So they averaged 1.1 yards per attempt. Yeah. However, they had 81 yards gained. Yards gained, but that was offset by 47 yards lost. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I I don't uh, I I don't really care who you're playing. You do that to somebody, that's pretty impressive. Um, well, you can see that really impacted the game plan, too, because Boise, one, once they went one-dimensional, mm-hmm. it was over. Yeah, it was. And and they actually made some impressive plays, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the catch down the sideline, both of those catches. The first touchdown where the guy laid out into the end zone, I thought that was impressive. And then the guy who had the mindset, I guess, to – uh, you know, reach up one hand, knock the ball kind of down, catch it, and then tightrope the sideline. Yeah, I still don't know impressive. how he stayed in bounds. I don't either. That was just impressive. Uh, to me, that was more impressive than the Justice Hill run where he stayed in bounds like yeah. that. Um, I just to, to watch the ball, track it, know where you're at on the field. I don't think that was by accident. The the staying in bounds is actually more impressive than the catch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, to me, it was just the whole package. You did that while looking up, brought it down, caught yeah. it, and then managed to tightrope that sideline in the end zone. I mean, it was a hell of a catch, but. Um, you know, just first of all, highlight your your bright spots for the game. Secondly, if there was anything that worries you coming out of this game, still. Uh, and then I want to talk a little bit about what we think about Boise now on the back end of this game. 
Uh, I'd say bright spots has to be the defense. You know, the ability to just absolutely shut down the run and then getting into the backfield, and, uh, just the creativity of some of the packages that Knowles threw out there against Boise. Um, concerns still going to be the offense to me. I think there's still inconsistencies there. Cornelius still struggles with the deep ball. I mean, he, he hit Tylen Wallace for a long gain at one point mm-hmm. where if he actually leads him, it's a walking touchdown. So that's going to be an issue all season, I think, at this point. The good news is he can throw the intermediate passes a lot better than Rudolph could. Mm-hmm. And the introduction of the quarterback run game. Uh, I think that'll help the run game as we kind of move forward. Does it seem, you know, he's not the accuracy. I don't, well, I didn't, to me, he's not the accurate quarterback Rudolph was, but he, but Rudolph was not overwhelmingly accurate. Like, I don't think he was like, you know, obviously he wasn't, I hate to do this, but it's the only comparison I can think of at the moment. He wasn't Baker Mayfield accurate. Okay. But he was well, pretty he didn't good. have the arm for that. Yeah. yeah. He was pretty good too. Yeah. But to me, you don't see Cornelius get as flustered in the pocket as you do Rudolph. Does that make sense? Or like when things break down, I don't know if it's just because he has more more uh, faith in his feet, his legs, because <laughs> Rudolph was a lumbering person. He was not somebody that was going to kill you with his legs. Uh, Cornelius is very deceptive, I'll say, in the fact that he can run the ball at that size. Yeah. No, I'd agree with that. I mean, he to me, he's I don't know. To me, he just doesn't seem to panic like Rudolph does. Rudolph had those, for lack of a better term, typewriter feet that, you know, like we saw with Landry Jones and some of those other quarterbacks. Once they started seeing Ghost, it was over. Uh, and to, to me, Rudolph had some of that. So, what I want to do, and I and I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but this is the only thing we can do because we don't have enough games yet against quality opponents from these teams. That all we can do right now is look at who they played in the competition. So with everything we heard about Boise State going into the game, the fact that they were ranked higher than Oklahoma State, the fact that – which that's not t- – I mean, guys, I'll be the first to admit, I've even missed on Oklahoma State. I haven't missed as bad as a lot of people have, um, and I'm still not closed on them. I still have – there's still an opening to me. I'm not – you know, again, I want to get away from anything definitive. It's three weeks into the season. But, I mean, there's people that missed horridly bad. Our, we had them ranked seventh going into preseason uh, in the in the polls. Um, I think I had a fifth in my personal one. I think that's right. I um, and I think you know they pro- they I think they probably end up as a top four team roughly. So I don't think I was too far off, but I missed on them. Um, everybody missed on Oklahoma State, or most people missed on Oklahoma State. Um, so I don't, I, you know, the fact that they rank less than Boise not a shock. But just everything we heard about Boise, that the fact that this was a good team, uh, you know, the best of the Power Fives, they did this well. They did. What is your expectation of what Boise should be? Uh, or what they are now going forward. Are they anywhere close to that, in your opinion? You know, what is your opinion on that? You know, I think 17 to 21 is probably where they are, really. I think they finished the season 10 and 2, 11 and 1. See, and after, and I don't, I don't want to take anything from Oklahoma State when I say this, I don't, but I'm kind of curious if they're even a top 25 team. And I mean, when we're talking about the end of the year evaluating this stuff, I'm not sure this team's going to be in the top 25 at the end of the season. And it's not that they may not be the caliber, but I don't know how else to say it. I mean, you see them at 17 to 21. I, uh, If they are top 25, I'm going to say fringe top 25. I'm going to say they're in and they're receiving votes, but about where Oklahoma State was going in this game, 24-25. And I, and I could be totally off, way off. I just – well, I just I, feel like if you're that good at a lot of things people said you were and you got made to look that bad, is it a one-off? 
Oklahoma State just had that good of a day? Because if not, this that team did not perform like a top twenty five team, in my opinion. Well, so the quarterback did. The quarterback. No, he had a good game. Yeah. He really did. But I, what I think happened to him, truthfully, is that those special teams plays, the two block punts. No, it did make it. That look completely. Worse. That, did. that completely screwed everything up for them. They were kind of rolling at that point. Which, the by the way, punt. they're screwed from the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah. Because Oklahoma State just gave them the the ticket on how to do that, and you didn't go to this game, right? No, I didn't. So I you saw. I'm assuming the broadcast where they were talking about the time it took them to get off. You have two seconds to get yeah. it off, and they were taking 2.4. And they did it on college game day, or a college football final. And the one block was, I believe, 2.4 seconds. And I want to say the other block was like 2.1 seconds. Mm-hmm. And basically, those need to get off in under two seconds, right? Yeah. I mean, I was never on punting team. I remember field goals or something like 1.3. I think punts like 1.7 is what roughly they feel like is the right well, time for that. Oklahoma State fans will remember last year at West Virginia when we had the the punt block that West Virginia returned for a touchdown. It was the same scenario. Zach Siner took too long to punt the ball, and yeah, no matter what, the punt blocking team is not going to hold their blocks for that long because they got to get down the field. Mm-hmm, exactly, and well, and you see that on other ones too. Like if you look at the punt block for for UCLA Oklahoma. They basically just let everybody through so they could get down the field on that play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, well, you it don't just, think about it, that it's actually going to get blocked. It, it yeah. just so happens so rarely. And in this case, they tried to clip some guys and still didn't work out either time. Um, you know, I there's only so much that little wall of three guys is going to do in front of the punter. So um, I don't know. And again, I'm not saying Boise State's a bad team, but they're not. They're a really good football team. I'm just not sure when we get to the end of the season, we're calling this a top 25 win. Yeah, I think they're just. I think they're. They're with UCF for the next best mm-hmm. group of five I think teams. UCF beats them, personally. Do they, from what I've seen they from play? UCF. Or I don't know. Saying, I think if they played, they would okay. beat them. Yeah, that's no, they're in two different leagues. Yeah. Um, I think UCF. I think UCF's a very sound football team that's just shy on athletes a little bit um, from being a really, really good football team. But it, the reason I was saying it, I think after those block punts, I think if you take those away, it's a much closer game. Those kind of led to everything kind of steamrolling because once mm-hmm. they fell behind – it was, OSU's defense was just coming out ripping the whole thing. Well, yeah, they're not built to do that. Um, they're built to kind of run behind the, you know, go behind the run game and then pop you over the top. And they just were never allowed to set that up. Yeah. And when you got that much pressure, again, that offensive line that was so talented, talented, touted, got absolutely shredded at times in this game. Um, and, and kudos to Oklahoma State for doing it. They should have done it. But it just, again, as well as they were hyped up going into this game, I'm not quite sure they were what we thought they were. Now, that's not to say they're a bad team or they fall way off or anything like that. I don't want people to take it wrong. I'm not saying they're a bottom 50 team in the country. I'm just not sold this is a real top 25 team right now. But we'll find out going forward. I, they're probably not going to lose another game the rest of the year. So maybe they will stay in the top 25. But I, I don't know. Maybe it takes a bowl game for before we finally figure out what this team really is again. Uh, but I don't know. Anyway, going forward, uh, anything else in this game? No. All right. We're on, on to the next one. This one um, – I think it was shocking for a lot of people. I know it was shocking for me. And, you know, going back and looking at it, maybe it shouldn't have been. Um, I think the lack of the quarterback for Duke, um, I thought would make this a much better game than it was. I was shocked at how badly Baylor got dismantled, though. Um, I really didn't feel like there was that much difference between these two teams as far as that goes. But in the first half especially, uh, let's see. 17, 20, it was 20, what was that? Would that be 23 roughly to nothing? Uh, if I can do math, yeah, 23 to nothing. So, um, and it finished 40 to 27. 
I don't know, man. Uh, did you get a chance to watch this one? I didn't, but I, I picked Duke to win this game, and, and it's for the re- everything that I was thinking played out. It's still it comes down to the fact that Baylor is not very good against a run on defense. They're not very good defensively yeah. at all, and yeah. I think this game solidified that. And Kendall's been trying to tell us that because he follows Baylor when we originally split up with four of us, split up right. the entire Big Twelve. That was one of his teams. Um. I will say that I didn't. I didn't see Duke being able to hold Baylor's offense down the way they did. No, I didn't either. I thought. I think we talked about it in the preview that we felt like this was a game that for Baylor to win, they were just going to have to go out and outscore Duke, which mm-hmm. obviously didn't happen. I just didn't expect Duke's defense to be that good either. That they held them down. I think that shocked me more. But I think we did learn from this game. Baylor's defense is as bad as as Kendall and some others have been trying to tell us. Um, right. And. Uh, it's it's the kind of bad that I don't think it's going to get a whole lot better. And what I mean by that is they just don't have players. You know what I mean? Um, they just they, There's not a lot of Big 12 players out there on defense. Uh, and it, they, they got burned. They got ran through. They got ran over, ran around. Um, and that's why a lot of people, I think, are, you know, obviously the hype from Kansas, but I think that's why a lot of people are going to pick Kansas to beat them this week. Baylor can't stop anybody this year. Uh, and if they do, somebody's in trouble on offense if they can't put up. So, again, this was Duke's backup quarterback. Now, again, it's, it's a system. He's been there forever. You know, he's built this system with his players. But still, um, I, I don't know, man. I just – this game gave me a lot of doubts about Baylor. I, and let me be clear. I wasn't saying Baylor was going to be a top-five team in the league. Uh, you know, I expect them this year to finish seventh or eighth probably. Uh, I'm sorry, eighth or ninth, probably. But we expected a step forward, but yeah, especially defensively. And I don't know that this year's going to be any better. I, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I mean, statistically, it's already better because they've won two games well, as yeah, opposed to one. Obviously, but, but I mean, as no, far think, as the feeling you took from last season. Yeah, I mean, I guess you're you're seeing a step forward offensively. Although I still still not a fan of the two quarterback system. Me neither. But um, defensively, yeah, I'd, you know, year three or no, is this only year two? This is year two. So year two of Snow's defense, I, I would have expected him to step forward. But like you're saying, it could just be a problem that they don't have the athletes on campus. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I, um, I don't know. I we and here's the thing. I think we in the excitement of building this team up, uh, as we saw them get so much better last year. Um, I think we forgot the project that was in front of Rule. I really do. Um, and again, we pointed to it, and not to sound like a broken record, in last season especially, we pointed to it a lot on the show. That class they lost, that recruiting class they lost, you were really feeling that. Um, one, because it was so highly talented at the time when they lost it, or it was on its way to be. Uh, and two, you lost everybody but Petrie in that class. Petrie's still playing. He's playing. He's doing good things for this team. But um, they basically had to go out and just fill this class with what they could get, and you're seeing it, man. Um, it's just they just don't have a lot of Big 12 players right now. In a sense, they're going through what Kansas did just on a smaller scale. Um, so, and I and I think it played out. Now, here's the thing: offensively, they're dangerous enough. You get them in a shootout. You get a team that's not good defensively or not sound defensively. They're going to go out and be right in the mix, don't you think? Yes, I wanted. There was one thing that stuck out to me as I was looking at back at the stats, and maybe, maybe it was just a byproduct of the score. Have you looked at the rush, the rushing attempts for the running backs? Uh, the only one I have directly in front of me, I could look at it, but the one I got directly in front of me says ten carries for fifty-one yards. Oh yeah, and, I think and that's it was a, a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, and I was going to say I think it was a byproduct that they fell back behind pretty early. Uh, Hasty had four carries for twenty yards. 
Lovett had five for 13. Yeah, what's going on there? I, uh, it has to be that they fell behind so fast, but their quarterbacks had 18 carries. Good Lord. So man. they were either running for their lives or, you know, they just fell so far behind that they felt like they had to pass the whole game. I don't know. I guess I need to go back. and I watched some of the, the YouTube videos that some people have posted on the game, but none of them are full that, that I got to see before we had the show come out. Yeah, the, the main thing um, that – my main takeaway is that the the rush defense is just really bad still. I mean, forty four attempts for two hundred thirty six yards. They didn't. They only had one touchdown on the ground. That being Duke, but still, that's that's not going to get it done, especially in a Big Twelve conference that we're talking about this year has a revitalized rushing attack really across the league. Well, even even if you are that far behind, you've got to muster more than nine rushing attempts by your backs. Even in that process of going down the field, you got to turn around and hand the ball off a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, even if you line up and go, you know, four wide, single back, I mean, occasionally turn around and hand the ball off. Uh, I don't know. I just, uh, I guess we need to get somebody on that, uh, one of our guys, and he was going to be with us tonight, but he couldn't be, that actually stuck to this whole game. We weren't able to. Uh, it got so far out of hand, we had to shift to one of the, the more close games. But. Um, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. I guess we'll talk to somebody about that this week because I'm considering, don't hold me to this, but I'm considering since the toilet bowl is happening this week, technically with Kansas and Baylor, uh, having them come on and preview the game. And maybe we can talk uh, more about what happened this week to Duke uh, from some of their guys. So, all right, let's roll on to the next one. We got Houston and Texas Tech. Um. This game for me was pretty dang fun to watch. Uh, uh, should be. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I it, I enjoyed it. I I really enjoyed watching. It was fun to watch, uh, but it was also stupidity at times too. I will say, um, sixty-three to forty-nine final score here. Um, you got Houston, who you know had done some decent things, beating a good team. It was Arizona, Arizona State, Arizona, right? Yeah, Arizona, uh, beating Arizona and done some good things in recent weeks. Maybe people were a little higher on them than they were, but, you know, it was a matchup for Texas Tech. Excuse me. Uh, I'll be honest, Houston, uh, early, I thought was going to win this game. Uh, I was worried about Texas Tech about, oh, probably a quarter into this game. Uh, They were down 21-14, to leaving the first quarter, but there was a point where Houston just, I mean, airmailed like the first couple TDs like it was nothing. And it was off to the races. And the one you saw the pre-snap earlier on Twitter uh, where they weren't protecting or they didn't have anybody covering pretty much Houston's best offensive player. Uh, And he gets off the line of scrimmage free, nobody in front of him, and goes for I don't know how many yard touchdown that was. Uh, So, yeah, there was was some times I was worried. But Tech, they stuck with it. Um, You know, Bowman showed me a lot in this game. I think they're going to be okay at quarterback. I really do. Uh, It worried me when we saw – Oh, I'm forgetting his name now. The starter, McLean Carter. Yeah, Carter go down. Um, honestly, man, I, Bowman's more of a playmaker. I think. Um, I'm not sure Bowman or Carter goes out and puts up 63 points against Houston. I'm really not sure he does. Uh, and uh, here's my question for you: How do you take Bowman out at this point? You can't. I don't think you, so either. You honestly can't. Yeah. I, I was going to ask you also. Did you do you think they may have found their running back? And take John Henry. Yeah, uh, for this season. I mean, we kind of do this every year with Tech. Um, now, Stockton, I think, filled the role. But, you know, remember Stockton had the really good year, and then the next year it didn't seem like he was that. And, you know, they had, um, oh, I forget the big, Nisby, some of the other backs fill in. 
uh, you know, in several consecutive seasons, I feel like we do this every year with Tech, trying to find it. Uh, but this this week, uh, you know, I, I do kind of feel like this is their back this year. Um, I mean, I don't know how you complain at Texas Tech about 24 carries, 100. That's beautiful, guys. That's beautiful. Four touchdowns on the ground, five more through the air. Um, you know, now in old Texas Tech days, that's probably like seven to three. Seven touchdowns to three <laughs> touchdowns on the ground maybe or something. Or what would that be, nine? Uh, say seven to two, say, something like that. But, um, you know. Uh, I just I don't th- you don't have a better formula offensively for this team in my opinion than what we saw this game. Well, I'm, I'm just looking at this from the fact that Bowman's a freshman, Henry's yeah. a freshman, yeah, and they're basically the offensive stars for this team right now. Yeah, and now here's the thing: we got to see what they do in Big Twelve play. But if they can pull out a good enough season, don't you feel like that that's that a good enough season to keep Kingsbury around? The future's looking bright, right? I mean, I would say to somewhat. You know, well, defensively, they're showing some improvement, at least getting players that are better. You know, they're getting some offensive player. I mean, it looks like he's got something to work with, at least. Yeah, I mean, they definitely they definitely have the players. It just seems like kind of more of the old same tech. Yeah, it is the same tech. It is. Um, I don't think this defense is going to be the defense everybody no, thought it was going to be at this time. Um, I honestly think this is the game you're going to have to see out of them every week. And that puts a lot of pressure on Bowman. It really does. Um, to come out and answer this bell every week because, believe me, Houston is a, a lot like a Big 12 offense, but they don't have near the weapons some of the Big 12 offenses have. Um, they've got a couple guys. they got a couple guys that can play and play a lot on Big 12 teams. But when it comes to across the board starting 11 at offense, there's some weapons in some Big 12 teams that make these guys look like child's play. Um, and I think you're going to see that. Um, that doesn't mean Tech can't beat them. But you are going to – this is the classic tech. This is Cliff Kingsbury's tech that he played for. This is Mike Leach's tech. This is you have to put up 50 to 60 points every week to win. And it's just hard to sustain that. It, it just is. It, and here's the thing, too. They're having to do that, and this is not Mike Leach's tech in terms of talent when he got to his peak there. You know what I mean? Right. Um, this is not the Crabtree tech uh, that, you know, had a bunch of playmakers. Even on defense, had some playmakers, some really good ones. Offensive line was good, big, bad. You know, they've got some big, large guys on offensive line, but they're still not like that. Um, you know, I to me, but I, I don't know. I don't know any other way to put it, but I think, again, I try not to get too definitive, but I think this is what tech's going to have to be. I will say definitively, I don't think this defense is going to be what everybody thought it was going to be. I think we can safely say that at this point. I would agree with that. So, um, you know, it was a good win for them, good win for the conference. Houston Houston carries a little respect. And they did come to this game 2-0. So it does help the league. It was a big win for them. Uh, you know, Wesley had a heck of a day. I know I, I was texting you talking about him uh, during this game. The three touchdown. I mean, he just absolutely shredded Houston. Let's see, he had 261 yards receiving, 13 catches. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what the record is for receptions in a game for Tech. Probably, I would guess, somewhere 15, 18, somewhere in that ballpark. Well, say but, 13's probably not cutting it But Tech. 13 is up there <laughs> anyway. I mean, that's nothing to sneeze at is what I'm getting at. So, I mean, that, that's a good day. So, um, you know, all in all, I, I you know, offensively, you guys got a lot to feel good about. Defensively, you still got some things to figure out. Um, I can promise you Houston doesn't go out and put up 49 points on, all, on some of the Big 12 teams anyway, the contenders. Uh, so, I don't know. But all in all, good win for you guys. Glad to see it. Now you get into Big 12 play. Let's see what happens. Um, and here's the thing, too. Trying to compare them. I, did, I feel like we got to take the old, old, old Miss game away when we're yeah, talking about okay, Tech. That's fair. It, it, one, 
I'm what we thought Ole Miss might be. Uh, it clearly, I think this week now, I think the Alabama destru- destruction of them is not what Ole Miss is either. But I don't think they're quite this dominant team that you know kind of looked like they really held Tech down. And I think a lot of that had to do with the first week what Tech was going through, losing your quarterback that early on a road, technically a road game. It was not, if it was a neutral side, if I recall right, um, and all that. So you know, you it just. I, I don't. I don't think some of the bad we took from that game is what this team is. I think they're better than that. I think they're going to be better than that. But uh, again, defensively, I just. I hate to say it, but I feel like we know what this team is defensively and what they're going to be. So, but the good news is you guys are running the ball, running it well. Had a really good day. So. Um, and Bowman, man, Bowman throws a beautiful ball. Don't let it get twisted. The guy, uh, you guys got something in Bowman. He's going to be a good quarterback. Uh, all right, let's roll on to the next one. I'll be honest, I didn't watch one down of this game. UTSA Kansas State. Uh, I don't know how much you saw of it. I didn't get to watch any of it. It was I'm trying to remember what games it was on during. What time was it? I can't remember. I don't have it in front of me. <laughs> oh, I can tell you in one second. Hang on one second. Pictorial schedule. And I forgot to get something else. I'm going to have to go back and get to it at the end of the show. I was just reminded. Uh, it doesn't give me a time. It just says final. So, anyway, um, I did not get to watch any of this game. I'll be honest. I okay, just didn't. it kicked off at three. So that was right in the middle of the OSU game for me. Oh, so yes, 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 yes. Was this the one that was delayed? No, that was the Texas Tech game that was delayed by the stupid baseball. Oh, they weren't delayed, but they were delayed on the channel they were supposed to be on. Uh, so it was going during OSU. It was going on during Texas Tech. I, I Texas Tech is my team, that I one of the teams I have to cover. So Well, let, um, let's be honest. In, in, a week of, in a weekend of big games for the Big 12, this was not one of them. Yeah, and I just – I'm sorry, Kansas State fans just couldn't. Now, we will get people on, and we will talk more about that with them going forward, but – uh, and here's the thing, too. This is the last weekend of just total madness. So it's going to get a little easier for us. Next weekend, we have six games. That's it. Yeah, when you're having four guys cover nine yeah. to ten yeah. games. Yeah, as far as the podcast goes. I mean, we get help from our other guys. But as far as the podcast goes, you got four guys trying to keep up with ten teams. So because the other guys just can't commit to it with their schedules. So anyway, um, this one here, Kansas State did what they needed to do, 41-17. I mean, I've gone through and looked at the numbers on this today. Um, really impressive win for them. Uh, the problem is, is I, what does it mean? I don't know. Uh, because what we've seen of Kansas State's bad this year has been bad. Um, now I will say this: this is a win they needed. This is a win they they you know they they needed a dominant win like this to feel good about things to figure some things out, probably to look at some of their depth uh, and figure out what's going on there. Um, was there more back and forth quarterback in this one? Skyler no, Thompson not really. looks like he kind of dominated the the majority of the show. Yeah, it, it's pretty clear that he's a starting quarterback going forward. Well, I mean, didn't we kind of think that was the we we thought that going into the season? Except he, you know, all the Kansas State guys were saying that just the way that it was playing out in the spring mm-hmm. and in the fall that it was going to be Delton, which it was. I mean, coming into the season, he was the one that had the first shot. Yeah, I uh, just the the offense seems to run better with Thompson. Don't you think? Yes, I definitely agree. And, and Thompson gives you that dynamic. I don't say dynamic playmaker. He's not an elite. He's not Michael Vick, but but he's not one dimensional. Yeah, he's not a statue back there, and he's not solely good at throwing or solely. He does everything a little bit well. Right. Um, I do believe Thompson maybe can also throw you into a little bit more trouble than maybe Dylan. I don't know. Dylan's been pretty bad at doing that too. So maybe I can't say that. But um, anyway, they did what they needed to do. The UTSA is a bad team. We know that. We knew that. They're 0-3 now. 
Um, they have faced some solid teams, but they're they're zero three. Um, Kansas State did what they needed to do this week. Um, you know, I, I really don't have much else to say other than that because I didn't get to see it. Well, it, it was good to see Zuber show up again. Yes, you know, they, last week yes, he, he got like, yeah last week one catch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he he did do have a good. But again, that's their playmaker. We expected that. Um, yeah, you no, know, I, I just, mean, there's really no takeaways other than no, that. Thompson I mean, have been rushing. And, and they shut down UTSA so badly. Um, I mean, UTSA scored 10 of its 17 points in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, Kansas State, I mean, this is an absolute systematic beatdown. Um, the only thing Kansas State didn't do was score in the fourth quarter. You know, they got all 41 points in the first three quarters. So, with the exception of that, and what I would imagine was a lot of backups playing in that game, you know, we'll see more going forward. Um, well, I, I, I just feel like this is a win they really needed. I remember off the teleconference today, Coach Snyder mentioned that one of the problems they still have ongoing is that they're putting the ball on the ground too much. Once again, they, they fumbled the ball four times in this game, lost two. Yeah. That's very young Kansas State-like. Well, well, that's the whole thing with them this year. I yeah. mean, is that not what we've been talking about for three weeks? They're, they are not a, can, a Bill Snyder team. They just haven't been. Special teams has been mediocre to bad. Defense was getting lit up in a couple games. Um, you know, Mississippi State's not a juggernaut offensively, and they took it to them. Yeah. Um, you know, offensively, you know, Kansas State's not a juggernaut offensively. They never are, but there are some things we know they do well, and they hadn't done them well at this point. Um, and, and, I mean, their leading rusher, Colin, is still Thompson with 14 carries for 66 yards in a game you won by almost 30 points. Um, you mean 14 for 94? Oh no no no! I'm sorry, sixty-six. Yeah, I'm looking at game. I Fourteen carries for sixty-six yards. Um, you know, I I, I want to know what's going on there. That, yeah, I don't know. We did expect more of a commitment to Barnes at some point, but thirteen carries. You know, I, I don't know. I think we'll we'll probably find out more about what Kansas State actually is once we start getting into conference play. We can kind of see what they're going to do in a full game. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess we've seen that a couple of times, but. I give him the benefit of the doubt on the first game, and then obviously Mississippi State kind of got away from him. So yeah. we'll see. That was as a serious kind of talent mismatch, though, and that became apparent. Yeah, uh, especially where it matters on the offensive and defensive lines. So I don't know. Uh, sorry, Kansas State fans. I wish I could. I'm not going to lie to you though. I didn't get a chance to watch it. It was it was on the lower realm of games that we needed to see. And uh, you know, if it really bothers you, we can get somebody here to talk about it uh, on the next show. But um, all right, let's go on to the next one. Uh, we got two left here. We got USC and Texas, man. This was a game that I'm again kind of getting back to the theme of the week. Surprised a lot of people. I think the outcome. I don't not the outcome in terms of Texas winning because I think a lot of people thought Texas could win this game. But I know from where I sit, there was way more people picking USC to win, didn't you think? Yeah, yeah, I definitely do because it felt like it was a reach when I took Texas to cover. And I'll be honest, when I told when I took them to cover. It was by winning by three. It wasn't. Yeah, exactly. It wasn't yeah. in this margin. I think I might have even said something like, "I think they went on a late field goal on the, on the preview show." Um, uh, impressive. I I I I can't get to anything else but impressive by Texas this week. Um, to do this, to pull this off, um, the conference really needed it. Now, again, I don't want to take anything away from it. Kind of like the, the Oklahoma State win. I don't want to take away from that. USC is not a top twenty-five team. Um. I, I know we said that last week before this game was played. Uh, I think we all kind of laughed at the fact that they were 22, but we'll take it because it's a win for the league's top 25 team. Um, that said, 
Now, Colin, I'm trying to remember. Did you stick more with the TCU game, or did you stick with me more on this one? I think this was me and Kendall mostly. On this yeah, game, this was you and Kendall. I was watching TCU um, last time. Okay, so you didn't get to watch this one as much. Uh, my personal perspective, I'd like to get Kendall on the show and ask him. This is one of the worst USC teams I've seen in, in several years. Yeah, I heard that the line play is really bad. It's bad. It's real bad. Um, I mean, you know, we'd heard the rumor about in the in the scrimmage from Dusty Dvorak. He had mentioned, uh, you know, one of his buddies that is covering the team up there. When they were having the fall scrimmage, the last one-on-one, you know, one versus ones before the season started, they gave up like 16 sacks. Um, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> that you know that that and that, that's bad. I, and I, again, I, I'm the first to admit some of that crap isn't 100 percent real. You're trying not to get people hurt, but that's never good when you give up that kind of thing. Um, so you know, we knew the offensive line play was bad, and we we had heard the defensive line play was not uh, what it needs to be for a team like this. I think that showed too. In terms of Texas is not a, a great offensive line. They're just not. They're not again this year. They're they're gonna have troubles there. Um but they especially late in the game, I don't know if I could use the word manhandled. That's probably a little too bold, but they pushed them around, did a little bit of what they wanted to do. Um and the reason I know it's USC's bad because I think the thing we've pointed to the most with this Texas team in terms of offense, uh they don't run the ball well. I think we've established that. Yes. Uh, Ellinger has to bail them out a little too much running the ball. Um, there were times, Colin, it was so bad. And there was one play that I keep flashing back in my head. I want to say it was late third quarter, early fourth quarter. It was near the goal line. Texas runs what looked like an off tackle, but, God, it was ugly. Uh, and the the back was looking for space. There was like a, a conglomerate of people that just kind of converged right where he was supposed to go. Basically, long story short – most teams, he's tackled for about a five-yard loss. He squirts through there, and if I don't remember if he scored, but he got down to like the one. Um, and he was standing back there kind of looking for somewhere to go for a good second and a half. Um, it just They don't run the ball well. They don't make some of the holes they need to make, and they still move the ball on this team. Um, and, but, uh, again, I, I just, I'm blown away with how well Texas played in this game for the most part. Uh, they really took it to USC. And it, and the thing I thought, it, it felt so dominating because you add in the block punt that they scored for a touchdown, which uh, got me up out of my chair. That was chair. a block field goal. Uh, right? Sorry, field goal. I apologize. Block field goal. Uh, it got me up out of my chair. I was like, grab the ball, grab the ball. You know, uh, you know they, they they did some good things in this game. And you saw some and – and here's the thing, too. You're seeing some life from this team in this game that I damn sure didn't see against Maryland. <laughs> Maryland and this team looked like they were sleepwalking through that game. Um, the Tulsa game we didn't get to watch, but again, considering they only beat them twenty-one to or twenty-seven twenty-one or whatever that score was, I can't even remember now. Um, we imagine they probably didn't play that well. Um, so this shocked me that they came out and did this. But this shows you what Texas is capable of. Because here's the thing: USC still has players. They're just not that good on the front lines. But neither is Texas. Texas is not bad defensively, but they're not great on the, either one of the lines. Um, and you know, they, they were able to push this team around. Now, here's the thing I'm curious to see if this really is the PAC 12 second or third best team, they're in a lot of trouble, in a lot of trouble. Cause again, I get back to the point that Texas is probably the fifth or sixth best team. somewhere in that ballpark in our, in our season, I think in our league, it'll shake out this season. Um, probably depends on where you put Iowa state in that situation, in that conversation, I think right now, personally, I have them above Texas. I can't remember. I have to go look. But um, it's basically pretty close with those two right there as to what you think they could be. And a lot of it's just Texas has better athletes than a lot of teams. They just do. 
Um, but you know, I, I I'm not as down on him as I was say a week ago or two weeks ago. But I'm being very cautious again, optimistically cautious. I just I I don't want people to put. This is another one of those games where people are starting to try to make definitives. You know, I didn't hear any Texas was back. Thank God. <laughs> But that was drowned out by the Kansas back. Yeah, there's too much Kansas back for that. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, there was a little bit of. I think people had a few too many Budweisers when they watched this game, and oh, you know, they can do. Again, keeping the context of who they're playing because that's all we have to go off right now. And again, people had them as a top twenty-five team. I'm sorry, guys, this is not a top twenty-five team. It's just not. It won't be. It will not be. They will lose a few more games at least in Pac-12 play. Um, you know, I expect this team to be a bowl team, obviously, but I don't expect them to be a whole lot better than what we see Texas do in, in the Big 12. So uh, just keep that in mind. That's all, that's all I'm saying. Um, but all in all, I just, I don't know, just Ellinger, he did make some really good. There was one on a third down they absolutely needed late. It was before Texas really opened it up. If I, I'm trying to remember, I think the score was 21 to 14 at the time. No, 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 no. It was more than that. It may have been 28 to 14, something like that. I can't remember. But they were up by, it may have been a little bit less than two possessions at the time. I can't remember the exact score. But uh, they needed the third down because it felt like USC could get a little bit more momentum if they could get it. And he gets rushed out of the pocket, goes down, and fires a bullet down the sideline, showing off an arm that you know we knew he had. We knew he could throw the ball. He's done that. He's just not the ac- most accurate in the world. Um and you know he he made a heck of a throw to get them that first down they, and uh, oh it was caught by uh oh little little Jordan Humphrey uh so it's uh, quickly becoming his primary yeah target. exactly I mean he had the best day for Texas receivers four receptions eighty four yards a touchdown not again not <laughs> not the best numbers you'd see from a leading receiver for a Big Twelve team but again they they, they were so overwhelmingly good on defense and special teams it didn't matter. Um, they got what they needed. And to hold USC down, you know, USC is playing with that freshman quarterback who literally should still be in high school, but he reclassified. Uh, so they, there are some struggles there. That they, I mean, he, you see signs with him that, man, in three or four years we could be talking about somebody really good, but he's just he's not there yet. Um, so, you know, I'm just trying to keep all that. You know, St. Brown killed them. Um, nine receptions, 167 yards. Uh it makes me wonder what, you know, your Marquise Browns, your Tylen Wallace's, uh, your Jalen Ragers, Kamonte Turpins, um, Denzel Mims. Yeah, Mims, um, from Wesley <laughs> at Tech. It, it makes me wonder what those kind of guys are going to do to this t- to the secondary because St. Brown did pretty much whatever he wanted. Uh, so that that worries me a little bit for this team going forward. And, and again, we've stated this is not going to be last year's defense. It's just not. Um, I I will firmly believe that right now today. Again, I, I know the theme is trying to stay from definitives, but I do think we can gather a few things from some of these teams of what they need to work on. Uh, you know, Oklahoma's secondary play needs to get better. Oklahoma State. You know, we'll get into that a little bit more. I, I would like to see a little bit more from the offensive line sometimes and things like that, but. You know, at least some of these teams, I feel like we can say some definitive things. I, I don't think Texas is going to be as good defensively. I just don't. So you expect some of that. Um, the question is, what does that do for a team that's needed such quality play defensively to win lately? So, you know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, maybe they turn a corner here. You know, maybe they, they rip off 9-2 uh, and two or something. I don't know. Um, or 10-2. and two. I, I don't see it, but, you know, who knows? Maybe that happens. So... I don't know. Any any thoughts going forward on Texas you got? 
No, I think that pretty much covers it. I think, like like you said, they're probably a finished middle of the pack unless barring some kind of crazy turnaround in midseason. Yeah, yeah. I, I kind of think so. Um, we kind of know what they are at this point, right. I think. Um, all right, moving on to the big game of the day, the last one of the weekend, Ohio State and TCU. And, again, I, I checked in on this game quite a bit as much as I could, but, um, you know, you obviously had a lot closer eye on it than I did. Looking at um, win probability, there was a little moment there, and it looks like I would say roughly the early third quarter TCU had a chance to kind of win this thing, according to it. It, it was probably when they went up uh, whenever they scored the 21st point. Yeah, uh, and then it quickly went back to Ohio State and just flatlined from there on out. So, I don't know, just your takeaways from this game? I thought TCU played with them every bit of the game. It was just it came down to the fact that I, I feel like Sean Robinson started doing too much, especially on the pick six. Like, looking back at it, I, I don't know what he saw there. That, that's a ball you have to eat. He threw – he he tried to do – it was a shovel pass, and he tried to shovel it up in there, and the defensive lineman was just sitting there waiting on it. Mm. And then he took it off and was able to run it in. So – I think I saw they scored 20, Ohio State scored 20 points in a four minute span of the game that basically decided it. Man, that's, yeah, that's hard to overcome. Yeah, um, so they, they scored a, a, they had a nice drive to score, had the pick six, and then blocked a punt that led to another touchdown. The all other, in the span of like four minutes. The other thing uh, on this game that I took away, and, I, and don't get me wrong, I watched a lot of it. Uh, I just didn't get to stick with it like I did the other ones. Uh, the, the thing I had, you know, watching the game as much as I did, uh, that I took away was, you know, it felt like at times TCU put their defense in bad positions. Uh, it was great to see them score and try to stay in the game, but that is what we've talked about for years. Gets a lot of Big 12 teams beat, uh, especially when this league got really soft, you know, for that period in, uh, you know, the late 2000s and early 2010s. Uh, you know, that there was a lot of score really fast, score really fast, hope to God your defense survives. And we still fall into that sometimes in the Big 12 shootouts. And it felt like TCU, you know, it was great to see them score, but I don't know, it just felt like they wore their defense out a little bit. Did you get that? Yeah, I would agree with that. But kind of like what I, you and I were talking about that during the game, and it felt to me like if you're TCU, you got to kind of take what you can get because they weren't moving the ball a lot. So most of their touchdowns came on, on big plays. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, if you're TCU in a position like that where you're playing with a, you know, probably a more talented team, you got to take what you can get, mm-hmm. and just hope that it works out on the backside. Which, unfortunately, it didn't. What What is your, you know, I again, he's not a finished product, and I saw enough of that to know. But what is your opinion on Sean Robinson? Now, I kind of came away feeling like, you know, he's good enough that he could, you know, do some damage in some of these shootout type games with the Oklahoma's, Oklahoma State's, um, uh, West Virginia's of the world. Do you, do you feel like he's now? Granted, I don't think he can go put it on his shoulders and win the game like maybe some of the quarterbacks can for those teams. But you know, if he gets, de- you know, we expect TCU to be good enough defensively to where he doesn't necessarily have to. So, do you feel like he is capable of of doing those kind of things? You know what I do. I've been probably more critical than than a lot of people. But he really impressed me in this game. He he's hung in there tight, and you know I think part of it where he struggled were just making some freshman mistakes. Mm-hmm. But as far as just how he played in this game, I mean he showed a lot of poise, made some good decisions, and and really hung in there. So I think he is a guy that maybe you know maybe it's not this year. Maybe he's just good this year. But I could see him taking a step to be like the a Boykin type deal where he just blows away here in a, a year or two. Yeah, and, and he's not scared to make plays, so that's good. Uh, he did make some mistakes, but he seemed to come back and bounce back real quickly from him. Um, 
you know, Darius Anderson had a big game. We've been waiting on him. We've been waiting on him to get break out. He had a great game in this game. Uh, you know, some of that's been the nature of who they played uh, and him not playing as much uh, is why we haven't seen him so much. But, you know, Twink, you 12 carries for 154 yards and two touchdowns is a good day at the office. Yeah. To only, and, again, 93 of it's on one run. Uh, you know, keep that in mind. But um, that was a good good showing for him. Um, does it worry you? Let me Let me look at it from this other way, though. The fact that 93 did come on one play. Um, does it worry you their run game at all? Again, we've talked about this offensive line and their shortcomings. You know, when it comes to a battle of, in a game where you need a running back to run for 170, 200 yards, do you feel like he can do that behind this line? Yeah, I do. Uh, I think people fall in love with the fact that, you know, like in this case, 11 carries, you take or 12 carries, you take away that 93 yard. Yeah, it's not as impressive a day, but he still had the 93 yard rush. I mean, it's kind of the thing with the Big 12 running backs. You take them with the idea that they are explosive enough to have those big plays. So mm-hmm. even if they do have a day where they go out and rush twelve times for, you know, forty-five yards, well, maybe they have two rushes of over forty yards on top of that. Yeah, in this game, I don't know. I haven't looked at the number of possessions, but it didn't feel like a game that had an overwhelming number of possessions. Not like you would see in a Big Twelve no, shootout. It's not. Uh, you know, it didn't. There wasn't. I don't think you're gonna. I'm, the, clearly, there wasn't like ninety plays for any, either team. Uh, there might have been ninety combined. Uh, I'd have to go and look, but it was a little bit more of that type of game. Um, where did TCU get in trouble on this? Was it just the turnovers? It was the third quarter. It was that four-minute span. You take away that four minutes of the game, TCU probably wins. And, and I don't want to take away too much, uh, or you know, take away too much for TCU. I felt Ohio State was just flat out better at the skill positions. Does that was that fair to say or no? Yeah, I, I think it comes back. I, I think your comparison from a couple of years ago of the. Ohio State TCU or Ohio State OU game mm-hmm. where they came in there and you could just tell that Mixon was basically the only guy on the field that really belonged. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that was the case. You know, some of the players stood out for me, like Rager. You could tell Rager was he he belonged there. Mm-hmm. Turpin, you know, Turpin was a Turpin's little bit got undersized. the speed to be yeah. anywhere. Yeah, but they had players that could do it. There was just more on Ohio State side. Yeah, they had they had more answers. They had more all around the board, which to me is a little bit of the difference you see between Oklahoma and the Big Twelve teams behind them. You just see a a more a larger group of people that can hurt you. Is that a fair way to put yeah. it? I think Ohio State has that, and I think they did have that in this. Um, and that might be a common sense statement, but I, I just feel like that is – now, granted, OU and Ohio State and those teams are usually better on the, along the offensive lines and stuff, but I thought TCU's line, deed line did a decent job in this game. They did a I saw, great but, job. Yeah, I they mean, okay, decent, job. yeah, probably wasn't fair enough, but they were they did a good enough job to get the job done, I guess is what I should have said. Yeah, no, T, TCU's defense has nothing to hang their head about in this game. Really, if you look back on it, the offense, you know, they played good, but they lost the game. Well, and, and here's the thing defensively. You say, yeah, they gave it 40 points, but how much did that defense actually give up? Not 40 points because 14 like tw- of it came from the offense. 21 maybe, I think, or something like that. Yeah, you have – so 14, you had a, a fumble, a sack fumble in the end zone that was recovered for a touchdown. You had the pick six it was returned for a touchdown. You had the block punt that put Ohio State in a really good position to score, which mm-hmm. they did. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you, you take away a couple of mistakes like that, and the defense, outside of, outside of being put in a position where they weren't set up for success, they played good the whole game. Yeah. You know, the speed of the defensive line going against that big Ohio State line, it really showed up in that game. They yeah. were able to get to the quarterback a lot. And, you know, Haskins, he – I don't know how many – I don't remember how many sacks they had, but they were hitting him the whole game. Yeah. And, you know, the announcers during the game kept bringing it up like, he has not faced pressure like this 
Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, TCU's defense really impressed me. Uh, and, again, they're the best defensive line in the Big 12. Yeah. I think that's clear. Now, can you uh, imagine him with Blacklock also? Yeah, exactly. Because Blacklock <laughs> is big enough and bad enough to detain a couple of offensive linemen by himself. So, yeah, I mean, it, it would have been pretty nasty. It would have been nice to see something like that. I don't think they necessarily win the game, but it would have been nice to see. I do have to say, you know, uh, I put out those spreadsheets this week. On the tackles for loss, a listener pointed this out to me, the Inus Gaines. He's in the top ten in tackles yeah. for loss in the conference. He's a safety. Yeah, that's pretty damn impressive. Uh, uh, I yes, and it is impressive. And I don't want to take anything away from it, but I, I'm curious as to how necessary that is. Um, and what I mean by that is, you don't expect TCU to be bound defense, and we don't think they are. But has he had to make a lot of those plays, or has it just been a nature of he's come free? Uh, you know, I haven't got. To, and again, I think it's just being an aggressive defense. Yeah, in the in the in the first and second game, they didn't really face juggernauts or anything like that. So he may have just been able to do whatever the hell he wanted, and that may be a lot of it. Well, he had three and a half tackles for loss in this game. Okay, so yeah, I, that's. Imp- I mean, it is impressive for a safety position. Don't ever get me wrong; it yeah. is. I'm just curious if that shows to be necessary. We've seen that be trouble for teams in the Big Twelve. Yeah, um, because they aren't getting the defense from other places. So, but I, but we don't ever doubt the defense from TCU. At least not at first. Um, so yeah, I think where, where that would worry me worse is like with an Oklahoma State when you had. Uh, for instance, Jordan Stearns mm-hmm. leading the team in tackles. Or Baylor if, that a couple of years ago. If they're leading the team in overall tackles, mm-hmm. that that's a concern. But if you're leading in tackles for loss, I think that's more by design if you're doing those you know, safety blitzes and mm-hmm. different types of things like that. And you're not going to be able to do that as much against Big 12 teams. You're no, not. probably not. They're going to absolutely shred you if you do that. So, uh, yeah. I but you got to pick, you can pick your – Yeah, you can pick your spots, certainly. Yeah. Yes, and you should. You should definitely do that. You should not be complacent. I hate that. Complacent defense is the worst defense, but um, but yeah, you're definitely not going to be just able to free run him like that as much. So right. we'll see going forward. Uh, anything else from this game? Any other takeaways you want to mention? No, I, I well, I guess my takeaway is this kind of affirms my opinion of TCU. I think they're they'll be right there fighting to be playing Oklahoma probably in the Big Twelve mm-hmm. title game again. I think they're the second best team in the league, and I kind of think this showed it. And they could end up being the best team in the league. I don't yeah, know. I, I don't but, know if I want to anoint them the second best team because I feel like we're kind of overlooking well, West Virginia since they were didn't play this weekend. Yeah, West I, Virginia impressed the crap out of them this first. West Virginia impressed me, but I want to see West Virginia do this against a team like this. Yep. That's what I want to see. No, I would agree. So right now, for me, in my book, TCU's better. But uh, I'm not saying by any means whatsoever West Virginia couldn't be better. They could be. Uh, but I want to see West Virginia do it because, again, that, that, uh, you know, for instance, what do you think Boise does to that Tennessee team? I don't know. (laughs) I think they probably beat them pretty comfortably. Um, I haven't even looked, I haven't seen Tennessee outside of the West Virginia game. That, that's a bad Tennessee team, and I don't take anything away from West Virginia, but it was a bad Tennessee team. Uh, it's a team that's looking in the cellar of the SEC East. So, uh, but anyway, um, one other thing I did want to do in stats and stuff. It's the stupid name of the segment I came up with that we did at the beginning of the show, and I haven't come up with a better name for it yet. So we call it stats and stuff. Um, I forgot to mention the Big Twelve Players of the Week. And I wanted to get to that real quick before we let everybody go. So that is, if I can find the freaking picture I had. Okay, here it is. Your Big 12 players of the week are Kyler Murray from Oklahoma. Had, he counted for 425 yards of total offense, three touchdowns uh, in Oklahoma's 37-27 win at Iowa State to pick up his second honor of the season. Um, Johnson, let's see here. Um, for Gary Johnson, linebacker, the transfer, the highly touted tr- Juco transfer everybody was excited about. 
uh, he got to finally play and do what a lot of people have been waiting for him to do. Uh, he led the Longhorns with def- led, led the Longhorn defense with six tackles, four tackles for loss, a sack, a forced fumble, and a quarterback hurry in Texas's win over USC. Uh, this week accolade, weekly accolade was the second for Johnson. Uh, co-special teams players of the week. You had. I'm gonna do my best with this. Amin Agban Bamija. Sounds good. <laughs> a linebacker from Oklahoma State. Uh, he is a sophomore at Oklahoma State linebacker. He, let's see here. He's one of the guys. Uh, that the he punt. had the block punt in the second quarter, which set up eventual go-ahead score for the Cowboys. Victory. The special teams accolade is the first for the sophomore. Additionally, the other one was Cybert from OU, and these field goals were huge for OU. One of them basically iced the game. Uh, made all four PATs and drilled a career-high three field goals in the Sooners' 37-27 win Iowa State. Let, let me ask you this. I don't think those are why he got the award. I think the reason he got the award is the eight punts where he averaged 65 yards oh, a punt. Oh, yeah. He punted his that is. Punted I his was looking off. at it. I was like, mm-hmm. three field goals. That's it. He didn't have what eight he, punts, did he? That's what it says. Eight punts for 520 yards, yeah. averaging 65 a punt. There's no way he punted eight, eight touchbacks times in that game. Oh, he had eight kickoffs. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. I was like, there's no freaking way he had eight, tu- eight Good Lord, punts that's in that game. <laughs> I was like, there's no freaking way. They scored almost every drive. Hey, he still averaged 53 yards on a punt. Yeah. Okay, now, the kickoffs, he freaking, yeah. yeah. They, I was st- Let me tell you this right now, Big 12. You have zero chance of returning a kick against OU unless OU wants you to return a kick. It right. ain't happening. Still less impressive than the punt. No, yeah, that was good. But I'm telling you right now, if you haven't paid attention to Cyber, you will this year because he's field goal kicking has been on point so far, and his his leg, dude, for kickoffs. Uh, I, again, his future probably seems to be in punting in the NFL, but it wouldn't surprise me if somebody made him a kickoff guy either because he can absolutely – he hit one like halfway up the field goal post at Iowa State. Well, hey, like after, he kicked it, kicked off, and it boinged off the field goal post, like halfway up the post. After the uh, weekend that the NFL kickers had this previous weekend, there might be a job opening for him for a kicker, <laughs> yeah. a kicker position in the NFL no. next year. I honestly think if he focused on it, like just kicking, he could be an NFL kicker. I really firmly believe that. But he's literally done both his entire career, all three, his entire career at OU. He's ever since he was a freshman, he's been the punter, the kickoff guy, and the field goal guy. Now, his freshman year, there was a chance that he might lose one of those duties because we had a guy that could kick the ball deep, but he never did. He did it all three the whole time. So, um, yeah, I really think if he focused on that, he would. But again, I get back to you're not returning a kick against OU this year unless they want you to. Um, newcomer of the week, Alan Bowman. I think we all know why that is. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, he broke the freaking record. 605 yards if you fell asleep for part of the show. So, anyway, I did want to get to that. Anything else? Um, you know, I, I wanted to get into our uh, our uh, top ten power t- power week, power rankings this week, but we'll get into that on the week four preview. Uh, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Is there anything else from this week you want to get out? Just uh, continue bashing Ray on Twitter for his power rankings. <laughs> yeah, everybody enjoys. Iowa that. State fans are really upset with Ray right now. <laughs> Sky, you know, Sky putting Texas at three was a bit of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but so that, th- those were the well, shockers. Considering so who it is, maybe not. But go, go with that and have fun with those guys. Yep. Um, let's see. We'll be back Wednesday night uh, yep. with our uh, week four preview. Uh, thank you guys for waiting on the show every Monday night. 
Um, go, don't forget to go like us on Facebook or not on Facebook. I'm so freaking tired. It's late. Like, go for, don't forget to like or do or like the show. Talk about the show. What is the word I'm looking Rate for? Rank the, the show. show. That's the word I'm looking for. Rate the freaking show <laughs> uh, on uh, iTunes and things like that. Um, you know, do all that kind of stuff and share it on Facebook and places like that. And since we're talking about Facebook, if you would share it with your friends, if you like the show, uh, again, tell us where we can get better. I promise the show is going to get better. It's going to get more informative. There will be more stats and stuff coming. So, uh, you know, let us know what you like about it, what you don't like about it. Uh, there's something else we'll have coming out tomorrow. What is it? Oh, our picks for the week. Yeah. Okay, our picks for the week will be coming out tomorrow. All right. Oh, we, uh, we'll have to save it for week four. I'm sorry, guys. I know we said we get to questions. We don't have time tonight. Um, I We will answer the live questions I promised that you guys sent today in the week four show. Don't forget to remind me to do that, Colin. Okay. Because there's just not enough time tonight. We'll do it. All right. We'll get to that. I apologize, guys. We'll answer that on the show next week. All right. Uh, that's it. Then I guess we'll get out of here. We'll see you guys in a few days. Thanks, guys. <laughs>